And the motion picture is the most important art film ever devised by the human race. It is the, the art form that creates more empathy than any other. It creates our ability to step out of our own shoes. Hello and welcome to The Great Movies Pod, a retrospective film review show. The podcast where we watch and discuss each of the films covered in Roger Ebert's seminal film essay collection, The Great Movies. I'm Nick Fulton. I'm Dylan Clare. And I'm Jana Gardner. And today we're talking about the 1994 documentary Hoop Dreams, directed by Steve James, produced by Steve James, Peter Gilbert, and Frederick Marks in Cartemquin Films, and primarily starring two high school students, William Gates and Arthur Agee, as they follow their dreams to one day play in the NBA. Um, so this is the second doc that we're getting into from the book, I think. I should have looked this up. I don't know why I didn't. Yeah, I think Gates of Heaven is the only one. Yeah, I think so. Only other one. I will say this is, um, this is definitely not the kind of movie that lends itself to one of our jokey intros about covering some other yeah no <laughs> similarly no. i was like you you guys know that sometimes i'll do like a, a jokey um zoom yeah. background for fun and i was like no mm-mm. not <laughs> this time i'm not i'm not gonna we do have that. lives at stake in this movie yeah yeah, yeah. not that it's like a depressing slog no, no, or anything no, it's but really it's really not depressing it's, it's quite no. fun it's yeah. yes and no there, there are depressing parts yes and no. it, it doesn't yeah. like stop the movie to be right. like let's uh, depressed it's always moving uh, yeah absolutely i I would not call it depressing i would call it my like most overused word probably which is harrowing (laughs) like it is quite harrowing at at points yeah yeah. um but yeah Uh, but yeah second documentary i think yeah and dylan you've seen this before a number of times many times i think i've seen it twice before Uh, i think my first time was in film class though in high school um, so this is two in a row that were I've were watched in film school, in uh, in, in film class in high school. Um, yeah, so it was interesting. I I didn't really know what to make of it when I watched it the first time. It's um. I don't think it's what you would expect or what like a Hollywood writer would have written. I think there would have been more of like the dad's problems before he was saved or other things of that nature that are, as Spike Lee would say, like forcibly thrust upon a lot of black film narratives. Mm. Um, And it really doesn't focus on a lot of that stuff. It's just a really honest, open story about two people. Still, still a lot of like race conscious and class conscious things, but more directly with the humans than that is with like, you know, drugs crime which is why i don't think it's like the narrative is always progressing in this movie because it doesn't like steamroll stop this movie to be like this is the horror of america or whatever and it really Mm -hmm. works out well that way but that's kind of what i expected when i watched it the first time and i'm glad they didn't gina you're from la how do you think the lakers are gonna do this year they've got (laughs) you're gonna put me on blast immediately (laughs) Yes. Um, LeBron's still. LeBron's on, coming. He's still on the LeBron's Lakers. LeBron's coming right? back. Yeah. Okay. That's. I'm, you, I'm out of right. Lakers play. I, I'm out of Lakers players. That's. Wait, you're out of Lakers players after LeBron? Well, there's there's, the, there's, the, there's the one guy who just came came who's new. He was just at a yes. Dodger game. Was he? Yeah, yeah. He he was at. A, they did a Lakers night, and so I saw a bunch of pictures of him at the Dodgers game. You guys are making these Dylan's horrible. Reaction. Dylan's, re- What's his, Dylan's I, reaction is I so funny. I don't, I, don't, I, don't I don't know who you're talking about. AD. Jenna, AD. Who's AD? 
Oh, Good Anthony Lord. Davis. Anthony this Davis. Is, sorry. Sorry. Is, I didn't know Anthony Davis. It's the greatest defender in the league right now. He has the eyebrow. He has the eyebrow. The eyebrow. The lone eyebrow. Yes. No, sorry. Uh, Anthony Davis. I forgot. He's in the Lakers. I do know who he okay. is. Um, he's in the new Space Jam, too. Um, Great. You, you're talking about Wes, Russell Westbrook. Okay. Thank you. I didn't yeah, want to yeah. guess and then just be like naming different NBA players that weren't the right guy. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to go down that road. Um, yeah. Russell Westbrook. He's incredible. I, you know, this, just to also be clear. Not a bit. Not not something I'm doing for yucks. I really just don't know anything about basketball. Like, at well, all. that's fine. I like that Nick just completely le- left off the Clippers and asking about Jana's LA basketball. Well, because I, I I like the Lakers. I don't care about the Clippers. <laughs> okay, there's a Ka- Kawhi Leonard. That's a guy. Yeah, Clippers. Clippers. Okay, see, I knew he. I yeah. I almost guessed he was on the Lakers, but it didn't sound right. So. Yeah. yeah. No, I like the Lakers just because of uh, LeBron. Obviously. Fair enough. Yeah. Savior of Cleveland. Lakers for me is yeah. funny because being, you know, I had no problem moving to L.A. and becoming a Dodgers fan basically immediately. But growing up in Sacramento specifically in the late 90s and early 2000s, like, it's just literally. You, I, you have to hold on I to just literally, Kings. I don't even care about basketball, but, like, I, I just physically would be incapable of going all in on the Lakers. So, like, total just apathy is probably the best, considering that I used to hate them when I was in high school. Wait, who did you root for baseball-wise growing up then? Um, we, I mean, Giants and A's games were on TV. So, like, we that's what we watched. More A's than Giants, Gi- but... Giants to Dodgers is kind of... Uh, it is. That's kind of a jump. It is, but, like, I don't know. I'm not from San Francisco. Um, yeah, we were, like, the closest true. team, but I was not. And, and we watched way more football and basketball in my house growing up than baseball. So it was easier to make the switch. Sure. But, no, there are, there are friends of mine who were... Giants mega fans growing up in Sacramento who have definitely yeah who definitely can't can't deal which is fair I respect that yeah well they're jokes on you this year I know I was gonna say it's like ugh. I, I don't understand how it still makes no sense to me like yeah I was looking at the wow we are on a tangent it's a sports movie it's fine I was looking yeah. at like the playoff odds chart for the Giants which is just like mm-hmm. it started down here. And then it just goes like this all season. And it just up, 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 up. And it's just like. There's not even like one big jump in it. No. It's just sort of like. It's just. They started it's the linear. season. And they just started playing better than expected and continued to play on the same better than expected. Yeah. It's not like there was some dramatic. Nope. They just like. Whoomp. Yeah. It's uh, kind of distressing. Yeah, and, and it seems like they just are better than expected yeah I, like I, I can't figure it's, out it's, the, like, there's no like smoke and mirrors right, they're just no, actually like, a really the, good team the one weird trick making the giants good this year no they're just winning baseball games like it's like all it. of their players are a half a win to a win better mm-hmm. than you would have expected right and that just and elevates when there's the entire 20 of them on the team it's like well okay well there you go there's 20 <laughs> extra wins yeah that's that's pretty much exactly it yeah, and I mean, like other like the Dodgers have had a lot of injuries. I, I don't know how injury prone the Giants have been. I think they've been like sort of reverse injury prone when you take into account like uh, how old most of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it, no. I, I think that's absolutely right. It's so crazy with this little time left in the season. It's wild. Anyways, uh, this was your first time. Yes, I finished it this morning. Started it yesterday. Finished it this morning. Open yeah. up Letterbox. Saw your rating. Yeah, no, it's great. Oh, um, I didn't. You know, not like there's not some big twist where I'm gonna be rolling in hot with the hating <laughs> on Hoop Dreams. Take. Movie sucks. Yeah, I, I don't know. You were you were down on basketball the other day when we were I talking know. about it. And I'm try- I and I remain down on basketball. But as Ebert sort of mentions in his essay, like it's 
it's about basketball, but it's much less about basketball than I thought it was going to be. Like, mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be a lot more time, just like the ins and outs of the season and the team and everything. And it gets into some of that, but obviously it's about so much more than that. Yeah, all you really need to know about basketball is that, like, the ball going in the hoop is a point. Right. And other, other than that, like, you don't need to know the names of positions. You don't need to right. know, and I, like, game strategy. Right, and I know most of that stuff. I just don't care about most of that stuff. So <laughs> I, I used to be extremely plugged into basketball but have not been in ooh, almost 20 years. Um, but, no, it, was, it ended up not being a – I mean – also, you guys know one of my favorite movies of all time is He Got Game, which is like a movie mm-hmm. that's also incredibly important about basketball, but also kind of not. So it re- unsurprisingly reminded me of that quite a bit. And Arthur has a cameo in He Got Game, apparently? Um, I think so. I really want to go back now and watch that and see, because that'd be mm-hmm. fascinating. And Good Spike movie. has a cameo in Hoop Dreams. Yeah. Good movie, he, he Got Game. Ugh. Great so Spike this, showing up in this one. Young Spike yeah. Lee showed up at this. Mm-hmm. He's still so young. Well, because, okay. And he's maybe, the only one that speaks any truth to the kids, though. I know. Yeah, he's also, like, it's 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 very Spike in that um, <laughs> he's on screen for, like, maybe 15 seconds and totally lays out, like, the themes of the, the movie. The exact thesis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the entire <laughs> movie is there. Yo, these people want you for money. Right. And coming right after Dick Vitale doing, like, an impression of his dead Italian mother being like, you can make it in America. And you're like, okay. We're, mm-hmm. we're getting to a different perspective. You can on make this it to the big leagues. Situation. Yeah. So this movie's legacy is sort of inextricably tied to two things that uh, are near and dear to our hearts on the show. One is Roger Ebert. Mm-hmm. Um he famously had it it's his best movie of not only the year 94 but wasn't it num- his number one of the 90s i think it was i know it was in the or like it was top on his five top, top 10 i don't honestly remember because i know that he talked about it in that um the episode of the tv show that he did with oh well, w- yeah it was his number one w- with with scorsese wikipedia says he later called it the best film of the decade yeah, so I, I have his top ten pulled up, and this this is the one where uh, well, I'll t- I'll talk about it in a second, but uh, it, his ten moving on down, JFK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, weeks. Oh, I'm so excited uh, to watch that. Malcolm X. Speaking of Spike mm-hmm. Lee, leaving Las Vegas. Speaking of Nicolas Cage, which we weren't, but we always <laughs> but are. We could in our be. Hearts. Yeah. Uh, breaking the waves. Speaking Ooh. of Lars von Trier, we definitely were not. No. <laughs> Uh, Schindler's List, number five was the Three Colors Trilogy. Number four was Fargo. Number three is Goodfellas, which is so weird that Goodfellas is not in this book to me. Yeah. It's, it's bizarre. Does he just not want to do a third Scorsese because he already has two, you think? I guess, but he does three Boone Wells in this oh, book. That's true. Oh, that's mean then. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, uh, number two is Pulp Fiction, and number one was Hoop Dreams. Nice. I want to read through Marty's uh, real quick. Of course. Just because... I, I, for number ten, uh, he had a tie, Marty, which was Mal- which is Malcolm X and he. Did you, did you guys know that for his um, his twenty twelve sight and sound ballot, he has eleven movies on there? I mean, I kind of respect. Uh, if it. anyone the gets time. the gets an extra call, <laughs> I love it so much. Uh, it's amazing. You just get so, eleven uh, and said deal with it. Okay, so what's Malcolm what's X- better, Malcolm X or Heat? Oh, ooh, if, if Marty so. comes up to you and is like Nicholas Fulton, I cannot figure out what my 10th movie of the 90s should be. You have to pick between Malcolm X and Heat. What do you go with? 
I'd go with, uh, well, you had it as a tie, and you're Scorsese, so I'm not going <laughs> to try to. defer. I'm not going to presume to know def- better than you, sir. Oh, I'm going to defer He knows you. best to ask you and let you pick between the two, though. Um, I, I was going to say Goodfellas. I just feel like, get, get rid of both of them. Put, put, put your Goodfellas in the list. list. You know, that's the right answer. Yeah, but, mm. but like, Goodfellas should be higher is the thing. <laughs> Uh, number nine was Fargo, so that made bo- both lists. Number eight was Crash, the uh, the Cronenberg. I gotta see that. Number seven is Bottle Rocket, and I find his uh, love of, oh, I, I find love his it. love of Bottle Rocket a little weird. I think that's hilarious. It, it's funny. Number six, he also movie. has he also has Breaking the Waves on there. <laughs> that, that I don't gotta see. I was like, ooh, Crash, I want to check that out. Oh, Breaking mm-hmm. the Waves, I I would have to live a long time to get to that one. It's funny Number to say, like, Crash, I'll watch this other movie. That's well, too far. I, I know, which I realize Crash is not exactly a just chill, fun time at the movies. But uh, mm-hmm. breaking the way, I mean, any Lars von Trier, so, you know, it's it's something to be endured, really. I feel like yeah. trying to explain Crash to someone is like trying to explain P.P. Tom to you the other <laughs> sure. week. Just like, no, you don't know. He's like... Like, killing people while he photographs them yeah ev- everything i've read about crash is just like oh um but sounds interesting mm-hmm. does um, nelly or nick does nelly like crash or have you guys uh, watched it yet we haven't watched it yet okay she loves cronenberg that, that's why i was but, asking yeah that's why I was like, I, it's I, yeah gotta that's, be up there. that's like her that's her guy apparently um legend so funny yeah it's weird <laughs> I appreciate it, though. No, Number right. five, speaking of Nicolas Cage, just kidding, Bad Lieutenant. Oh. Not the Nicolas Cage. Not the, not the Nicolas not Cage. Not Call New Orleans. Yeah. Number four is Eyes Wide Shut. Number three is A Borrowed Life, which I had to look up. It's a Taiwanese movie. Okay. I've Go heard off. of it. Number two is The Thin Red Line, and his number one is the mid-1980s movie <laughs> The Horse Thief. That's right. That's right. What? Yeah. Horse Thief is from 1986. And he named it his number one movie in the 90s? Yep. Marty. He named 11 I movies. Him... I, think we've, I think we've solved the 11 movie conundrum. I think yeah. we just he did only every... have 10 movies from the 90s. We just scooch everything up one. Uh, oh, I... What a punchline. Re- respect him so much. I, I think the rationale was that it was not uh, available in the States until the okay. 90s. I mean, I, I figured it must be. I didn't think he just literally forgot what year it came out. It must have been first available... Here, yeah, yeah, but I, I, I think the, his real rationale was like, I, nobody's seen this. The only reason I've heard of it is because of Marty putting it on his number yeah. one. Yeah, and I watched it. I think I talked about it on the show. It, on like the what we've been watching, I watched it maybe a month or so ago, and it's uh, pretty awesome. Nice. Yeah. Not so best of the '90s when it's already an '80s movie <laughs> level best. good though. Yeah, not not. It's not genre, uh, uh, dec- not genre bending, decade bending. Uh, it's not decade bendingly level good, but I liked it a lot. So I'm, uh, wait, before, before we move on past this point, I'm curious mm-hmm. what your guys' favorite movie of 94 is, be given, you know, this was a big movie for both Gene and Siskel as a 94 film. I think I still go Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I have. I was, I'm gonna, I was going to check if there's some secret other option besides Pulp Fiction. but There's a secret other option for Nick is Satin Tongo. Jesus. 1994. Are you kidding me? That's a 1994 movie? What's happening right now? So it's not my favorite from that year, but it will be Janet's favorite once she finally wants <laughs> That's it. true. That's true. Jan, once I Jan get, will be um, the Satin Tongo head yeah. once we get to it. Once I get Clockwork Oranged into watching <laughs> Satin Tongo. 
cool. There's it's all be funny one day when you just like start it on a lark, and after a half hour, you're just like mesmerized in it, and you end up loving it. You know, yeah, tr- truly anything is possible. So mm-hmm. who might there, there? There is also Chunking Express, which oh, oh yeah. yeah yeah no you're right you're right that's that's actually my number one. Yep. Uh, there's also Red uh, from the Three Colors trilogy. Yeah. I would go Pulp Fiction over Red still. Um, not, not Red, the uh, retired and extremely dangerous uh, <laughs> movie about God retired damn it, guys. Jana. Sorry. It's the only Red um, I've seen. Just kidding. I haven't seen it. But So um, I, this isn't probably anyone's favorite, but it, given we have the Carpenter stuff going on at Blank Check, which is one of our favorite mm-hmm. pods, In the Mouth of Madness came out the same year. Uh, Jana's Beloved Little Women came uh-huh. out. I was looking at that. Crooklyn, My Beloved Spike Lee movie came out. Also, The Year of Lion King, Shawshank Redemption. Um, Interview with a Vampire, one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, Ed Hud- Wood. Priscilla, Hudsucker's Proxy. Desert, Hudsucker Proxy. Clerks. Oh, Good yeah. Movie. That's, that's truly the best one. Uh, there's also, like, funeral. Muriel's Wedding and Eat, Drink, Man, Woman, uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral. We're, we're burying the lead, though, as to, like, what I think the consensus pick would be. Ace Ventura, Pet Detective? Shut oh no! Nick. Was that this year? And Dumb and Dumber. No. This was the big. Uh, I, I cut Nick off it's from the joke year. he was about to make, but this was the big Jim Carrey year. Oh no! I'm going to build up to it. Okay. Uh, so the Oscars. So the other thing that oh, did, uh, Ho- Ho- Hoop Dreams ties into. Oh, Speed was this year. Hell yeah! yeah. Ooh, okay, that's a good one. And Lion King. So um, mm-hmm. the the other thing besides uh, the, like for this the legacy of this movie besides Ebert is the Oscars. So if we look at the Oscars this year. Um, the there were one two three movies pulp fiction and shawshank redemption as well as bolts over broadway they were tied with seven nominations but they're second place to this other movie that had 13 nominations yeah sure was wow that must have been like a really good movie one of the most culturally significant and important american films ever made i'd have to imagine best picture best best director best actor let's see best uh screenplay jesus fucking christ Mm. That's a lot of, that's a lot of stuff. Fuck. Speed, speed did beat it for sound effects editing. Which, uh, Ooh, speed. I mean, good, good sound. Wait, speed, speed also won best sound. Speed, speed, twi- uh, t- it, twice Oscar it, winning. Speed. It did that action movie thing where, like, you know, it gets both the sound categories, which is why there's only one sound category now because that just mm-hmm. happened all the time. Mm-hmm. Force Gump. So I will say. <laughs> I, I, the, the Forrest Gump defender has logged on, um, for, I mean, for a lot of those, like the tech, it's, it's a technically well-made movie. Like you can, like you can be morally opposed to it, but you're going to be like, oh, the sound is bad. The sound is fine. Like it's. The I'm sound is as, fine. I'll not say as good as speed. Not as good as speed. Oh, no, of course not. I just, I just, I just think it's funny that your, your moral objections to it, like it's. It's a perfectly well-made movie. It's like, it's like a no. I, I don't even think it's a well-made movie. That's it's just been you are blinded by your di- like dislike for what it's about more than mm, the movie itself I don't know. that exists. I, 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 I don't know if it's very good. I All right, Dylan, know. what is the bigger slight? Forrest Gump winning Best Picture or Hoop Dreams not being nominated for Best Documentary Feature? It's Hoop Dreams not being nominated yeah. for Best Documentary Feature. Like I can't be shocked that the Oscars would give a terrible movie Best Picture winner. Mm-hmm. But you look at Hoop Dreams, and then especially, you look at the nominees, and you're just like, who? Yeah, I haven't heard of any of these. Um, 
it ended up being Myelin, A Strong, Clear Vision. That won. I've only heard of that movie because it's the notorious winner from this year. Mm. Like that, un- unfortunately for that movie, and I know that the filmmaker resents it, um, mm-hmm. it's only known as the movie that won the year Who Dreams didn't get nominated. Uh, I will say there's a movie on here called D-Day Remembered. Um, you, do you want to guess how many people have logged this movie on Letterboxd? A thousand. Less. Jenna. Okay. How many less? What, what's it at? Uh, 560. Less. Nick? 212. Less. Jenna? What? What? 94. Less. Nick? What? Zero, zero. It doesn't exist. <laughs> it's a fake movie. It's a made A little bit title. more than zero. Jenna? 22. Nick? Less. Less? Less. Two. What? Did you just go and log it right now? More. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's I'm looking four. at it right now. It's four? It, four. It has, zero, it has zero reviews. It has zero views for watch clicks. I'm reviewing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes! You've got it. Yes! Oh, god. It's, the, we, we, it's time to bring back the bit where we just find obscure movies on Letterboxd. And... You know what? I'm going to do like the give it two stars but also a like. <laughs> <laughs> God. Does it have any likes yet? My review? Is that no. the only one, though? No, is it? does it have anyone? I mean, I guess if it's only been oh, any likes? four times uh, and never reviewed, probably not. It has five members who've watched it. Oh, I'm the I only person four. who's... You're the well, fifth. Well, yeah, I'm the fifth. <laughs> it has one, has one like. <laughs> this is going to be my claim to fame. I coughing. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, wait. I just accidentally clicked on the year 1994 in film. Nope. That's too much information. Okay. I was trying to get to the Oscars page, and all of a sudden I'm like, why is this just a list of every movie that came out in By the way, uh, also not nominated for this year in Best Documentary, Crumb. Crumb, mm. I don't, I'm not familiar. I mean, I know, I am familiar with the poster, and I don't know anything else the about poster. it. The poster is like famous, and otherwise I don't know anything about it. The thing is, you know more about it than that's true. I know the, all the I, other nominations, I know what and the you know that it's like. yeah. critically acclaimed. It's true. It is very so. true. Oh, also, Nick. Also in '94 is uh, "Through the Olive Trees," which I know is. Oh yeah, that's a good one too. They'll probably make a top five. Natural me. Born Killers. No, it would not make a top five. <laughs> of worst. Yeah, I don't like that movie. Uh, so, anyways, the, the like the the documentary branch was involved in. Not like cheating shenanigans, but oh, like, they they buried this movie. But they knew what they well, were doing. Dump, dump fuckery type shenanigans. The, the where, anecdote about the waving the flashlights and turning mm-hmm. it off after twenty minutes at a screening is like yikes. Yeah, they're burying it. Yeah, that's basically well, what Nelly did it. with the net. They just bailed. They were so uninterested in the subject matter. Apparently, a bunch of shockingly, a bunch of old white people were so uninterested in the subject matter, mm-hmm. which is not. I mean, Siskel and Ebert were old white people at the time, um, so it's, that's not a universal condemnation. But that that branch was so it effed still up. Is. Well, yeah, it was so effed up that they instituted certain reforms, and they've been continuously trying to put in new and not different make ones. Them stupid? Yeah, it's mm. just it's a notoriously tough branch. Which would, would you say the doc branch is the stupidest branch of the Oscars? Um music is pretty bad. Oh, yeah. That's fair. The, the music the, you always get those nominations. I don't know if it's stupider than docs. The I mean, they have had to disqualify um <laughs> not actual nominations in the music categories for like because they were Yeah, I'm not going to 
say bribed, but uh, somehow convinced to nominate oh, no. movies that it turns out didn't even qualify. Um, that's pretty bad. Ooh. An- another. Sorry. There's a bug in here. I- sorry. <laughs> 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 it was like right in my face. Okay, sorry. An- another 94 doc snubbed baseball by Ken Burns. Would that have been. Would that count, though? Because it was like a PBS. That was a television program. Be mad with me. Okay. I was going to say, unless they did the. Um, I know the you OJ guys love it. In America thing and, and made people sit in the theater and watch it for however many hours straight that that documentary is. OJ Made in America cool. is at least half the length of baseball. I was going to say, it's a 24 hour baseball. marathon screening for baseball. It's 18 and a half hours. Ooh. Shh. It's not baseball. I would watch it for that long. Yeah, same. I would do it. They give you like two intermissions. I'd be good. I'd be good to go. Sorry. It's worth I'm it. I'm just sitting here looking at the uh, <laughs> Academy Award Wikipedia page. Um, Speed got a lot of nominations. Nominated in editing, too. Mm-hmm. I will say I love like... Speed. Love Speed. No, but I, I, at least Hoop Dreams did get that editing nomination. More documentaries should. So much. So much. Oh, so many yeah. documentaries are so dependent on editing, at least as mm-hmm. much, if not more, than narrative films. So, you need to talk about time. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to talk about yeah. time. Then I'll I'll get us riled up about. You'll get <laughs> time. Maybe, yeah, maybe the documentary branch still is full of dingoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Between time and the. At least uh, time got nominated, but I can't. Dick Johnson is dead. I cannot talk about that octopus movie anymore. Life is too (laughs) short. Life is too short. Neither of the uh, Joshua Oppenheimer movies won. Yeah. (sighs) Active killing, man. Yeah. Good film. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein got a Best Makeup (laughs) nomination. Shout out. Hell yeah. (laughs) Shout out Makeup. Shout out Daniel Parker. Did you? Paul Ellis. You watched that, right? Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. No, that actually oh, wasn't one of the ones okay. I watched. Maybe the makeup's good. Who knows? I, I from the trailer, looks good. Yeah. So Sorry. hoop dreams. Yes, hoop dreams. It starts off basically the movie's in four parts, and then it's got sort of a prologue and epilogue, I guess. Mm-hmm. So the movie basically starts just before high school, and. Um, these two kids, William Gates and Arthur Agee, are both like 14 and they get scouted by a guy who is sort of empl- like he's hired by the, the high school called St. Joe's, which is outside of Chicago. Yeah, it seems like he's like a contract job. He's not like working for this. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah, meet a lot yeah. of like independent scouts who like that's what mm-hmm. they seem to do on a contract basis at, at all the different levels. Great. So he, yeah, he finds system. these two. Yeah, oh, the the system, all the systems we encounter in this movie are bad. <laughs> it's true. So this guy basically tracks these two kids down, gets them into this school called St. Joe's, which is an hour and a half outside of Chicago from, from where they live. And it's a uh, Catholic school, sort of like upper middle class private school, and it's best known for being the place where Isaiah Thomas the uh, the Pistons Isaiah Thomas, not the one who was terrible for the Cavs, played. Yeah, I I did not realize like I, how big of a deal Isaiah Thomas would be throughout the entire. Like he just just keeps on. Yeah. He looms large, I guess, uh, over the entire film. Really, it was interesting because I don't associate him with Chicago because I just didn't know where he was from. Like so, mm-hmm. I, 
think of him as being still, from Detroit. Still but. funny that people from Chicago in the 90s favorite players, I say, oh. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I yeah. you know, hometown hero. That, that'll get you oh, a sure. lot of uh, loyalty. Uh, I, I sent you guys the MJ uh, laughing react gift to, to that. It's a good, uh, it's, it's a great thing we were blessed with from <laughs> oh. that documentary. MJ reacting. MJ's overrated anyway. Jesus Christ. Don't, 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 don't. You know, this is what's going to get our pod famous. It's Nick's going to say MJ sucks. And then all these people are going to flood to us and like give us a bunch of crap on Twitter. I I hate if it works for Skip Bayless probably makes like what? $20 million a year. Just saying the stupidest things that pop into his head. (laughs) Nick, can you, can you narrate a review by Skip Bayless talking about Arthur Ag and William Gates? No, I absolutely not. I hate, I hate Skip Bayless so much. Yeah. They don't have I, the killer instinct. Oh my god! I I, tr- I truly loathe that guy. He's um, speaking one of the worst people. Had to. Speaking speaking of people, I I don't like. Maybe I'm not being charitable enough to someone whose job is to coach kids, but uh, we also meet Coach Gene Pingator. Oh god, who who who, who, uh, who, Raj, who Raj kind of defends? Like he, he gives us sort of a half-hearted yeah. defense, except for his defense is really well. This is how all coaches are. So it's not that great of a yeah. defense. They're all they're all assholes. He, this guy is. But we saw Tony another Russo. coach in this movie. Sure, yeah, yeah. We do see another coach for a little bit. This uh, coach, Coach Gene Pingator, who um, is the St. Joe's coach. Uh, I guess his claim to fame is the being the high school coach of Isaiah Thomas. Sure is. Mm-hmm. He uh, he's Tony Larusa. Just That's, yeah. He's he's a, a, an old crabby white guy. Who uses coded language? Uh, Very co- coded. Oh my god! <laughs> a, 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 kind of a lot in the movie. So not to. I mean, not to. Well, I'm going to skip around a little bit. Uh, I mean, this it, is yeah, a, it's hard. Just, yeah, it's, it's kind about of hard. people in high school. They play basketball and then so you know, they they leave high yeah. school. When yeah. the, the the maddest I got is well, no, the, the maddest I got was his like final conversation um, with William, but also when he like reunites with. Arthur in the locker room or wherever they oh are. Oh my god! And now all yep. of a sudden he's like, "Oh, you're so great. We miss you. Like, come back around. Like, we wish you all the luck in the world." And it's like, "Oh, you he dick bag!" <laughs> like mm-hmm. he dumped him bad. Yeah, too. and but but now that he, he's doing well, you know, like yeah, no, that he's the star. Right, exactly. So it, it is just one of those things where it's just completely like it's so transparent. Then you know, what Spike Lee says, what other people say throughout the movie which you know which the the coach e- at marshall even the says s- like which is they just you get there and you're gonna help them win and if or you're not mm-hmm. and you're out on your ear like that's that's i mean we all know that but it's just wild to watch to see it really in live time with yeah the people it deals with is hard yeah and um i even love that the guy that scouts william mm-hmm. and uh arthur at the end is like man i ain't doing this shit no more yeah yeah. Well, and the, he's like, people in my community like come up and like are shitting on me, and he's like, I I get it, I right. I I got to pay for what I did. Well, and well, especially when we know what happens to Arthur, like <gasps> he ends up way worse than when he started because not only does he not, I mean, well, we're jumping maybe a year yeah. ahead, but not only is he not in that school anymore, but he owes them a lot of money right. and I know oh my god literally when they get the bill and that person's trying to walk the parents through I'm seething literally won't yeah he, his life I mean and his mom says it a couple of times throughout like his life and their lives were significantly impacted for the worse because mm-hmm. of the like 
because of the fact he was recruited and spent a couple of months and, at and they St. got nothing Joe's, benefit out of and it. they got nothing out of it he had to build back from it he had to overcome it he got nothing um, well here here's the amazing thing is um like yeah i think at the halfway point you're like man arthur's just screwed and william is like he he's got the chance and then you see by the end it's like arthur had the better high school experience yeah. He mm-hmm. he maybe doesn't get this scholarship to Marquette, but also what we realize is like William got destroyed in Marquette yeah. in the basketball and school mentality, and like Arthur kind of thrived at junior college yeah, it seemed, he seemed- and went into an Arkansas State and did pretty yeah. well. And it's like, man, even even if they they hand you the chance on a platter for their own shelfish reasons, it's like they'll still bury you if they want to. Yeah, yeah. it's just that as soon as it doesn't benefit them to help you out in any way there's no investment in like there's that part oh sorry sorry. no no no, go ahead go ahead there's that part where um the school counselor is talking with uh william about him preparing to take his final act grades yeah and he's like um you know you gotta act like you're working on this like you you work on your jump shot he's like well that wasn't that good this year was it and william's just like yeah. Do you have he to? Do you say, have he to? He also says to him, "It's like the bottom of the ninth, and you're down to your final out or something." And out. I'm like, "You are mixing. You don't don't come at him with baseball metaphors. <laughs> like, can you say there's like two seconds left on the clock, and you've got the ball or something? <laughs> like, come on." Um, so, question for you guys: Did either of you take yep. the ACT? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I did not. So, like, these numbers mean nothing to me. I, I had no context for. Like, I mean, they, they explain that, like, you have the 18 is sort of the bare minimum yeah, for admissibility. Eight. It's considered a pass. Because, like, there's not a passing score on the SAT. You just get a right. score, but it seems like... I think it's out of 36, okay. and it's three mm-hmm. sections of 12, if I remember Okay. Right. So if I, Something like so that. So I don't know if it'd be equivalent of saying it's, like, trying to get an 800 on the SAT it's, or it's something. It's something like okay. that. Like, it's, it's, it's not a very high score. Gotcha. So, um, like, they both start at St. Joe's in freshman year... Is, goes by pretty quickly um, in yeah. terms of the movie. So basically, Arthur, Arthur is the point guard on the freshman team. William actually is the superstar, like like we've been alluding mm-hmm. to, and he's he start he starts on varsity as a freshman. Um, they both also were like found when they're starting ninth grade to be working at like a fourth or fifth grade level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it shows obviously how the public school system in Chicago has totally failed them. And especially like, I know William, they say like he starts starts working hard and he, he catches up like almost immediately. Well, and, and spoiler alert for like all the way, you know, he, he's, you know, it's, I mean, he made it through Marquette. Like, you know, he had some ups and downs and there were some, some struggles and he, you know, almost didn't, but he ends up graduating from Marquette university. It's just like the B average or something. So, it sounds yeah. It sounds like the only way he did it though was by dropping out of basketball right. and just being a yeah. being a student. And luckily had a support system by that time that said, "Come back to school. We'll let you finish. We won't yank your scholarship." Like it, it shows that yeah. it does well, his, take people yeah, his, being invested. Like, <sighs> and his scholarship was also we're jumping Sorry, right again. Yeah. But his scholarship was no, it's fine. his scholarship was was not um, basketball dependent. Oh. So they said like, if you get hurt day right. one. You're still going to get your education, is, which is that's that's a great huge. Deal. That's I mean, so many players, like especially considering um, we basically like 
see him have a knee procedure at one point that I yeah, didn't it's, it's... care for that. Um, <laughs> all of a sudden, I, I swear I looked down and I look up and there's just like fluid draining out of his knee. And I'm like, mm-hmm. mm, gross. <laughs> no, poor guy. Like, and yeah, but that kind of They're holding the little tendon up to the screen. That that's the thing that happened. Um, but yep. no, but that's, so that's why it was so important, you know, for them to say, you know, yeah, even if you blow out your knee on day one, like you don't have to, we're not going to send you packing mm-hmm. kind of, kind of the least so these the, schools could do, but yeah. Yeah. So they're both doing like pretty well in basketball um, and, you know, doing better than I think expected uh, academically, at least William, they don't really talk too much about Arthur's academics because yeah. his problem sophomore year um sort of makes how he's doing academically a moot point so they both have financial trouble Mm -hmm. um paying for school william the star has his tuition paid was having his tuition paid for something called cycle which i I tried looking that up and couldn't find it but it was some group who would pay for kids scholarships they end up canceling or like it, not having it funds. It says that there's a tuition increase and now they can't cover the full balance. <laughs> yeah. So, fortunately for him, the Encyclopedia Britannica people. The nice lady, personally, from Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> yeah. The, the, she, her name was Patricia Weir and was the president of Encyclopedia Britannica. Mm-hmm. It was just like, yeah, we'll pay for him. And we're going to like, I think they buy all his books too. They basically say that he, he's not going right. to want for they anything bankroll, uh, financially. Yeah, they bankroll yeah. his entire education, yeah. And that's because he was on the varsity team mm-hmm. as a yep. freshman. Whereas Arthur, who played well on the freshman team, is um, shit out of luck. Well, basically. He's, yep. he's his, not growing dad, fast enough for them. So yeah. Oh, when they say that, it's just like. Why won't, when, yeah. when will you grow? Okay, and he's cool. like, what the? You know, yeah. Yeah. What, like during the beginning of their freshman year, Gene, the coach, says that he, I wrote this quote down, he reverted back to his environment where he came from. Yep. yep that's the coded language. Ooh. Um, one of my favorite parts, though, is when, when they say that he's not growing fast enough and it cuts to a shot of him in the hallway and he's still like taller than everyone else yeah. he's walking down the hallway of and he's a point guard. Yeah. Like, I didn't that, look to see how tall he was. Actually, I I did look up William's height, or it might it might have shown it in the thing. He's uh, William was only six one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and I bet Arthur's like Arthur's uh, close. He's maybe five eleven. They, you know, again, they're jumping all over the place. That's fine. When they play in like the city and state tournaments at the end, and they're yeah. playing against those guys who they do eventually confirm are fully seven feet tall. Seven foot. Like they have their mm-hmm. two seven foot not, tall players up front, and I was like, not one. <laughs> But two, and it's so funny that showing them on the court, and here's you know Arthur and the Marshall team and guys we've seen looking like basketball players, and then all of a sudden they're next to these guys who look like they are full NBA players, just just giants. It's do you remember that crazy. episode of uh, Parks and Rec where like Chris Bosh is on the Eagleton yes. high school mm-hmm. team? It really looks like yeah. that. We're just like here's Chris Bosh like doing just this. Going, like, like yeah, Arthur's just like what the fuck? yeah those guys and. Uh, then see and then i actually kind of got invested in the basketball because i thought it was they did a really good job of showing how they overcame that and used strategy to defeat them and take advantage the editing of and narration is very oh my god good. it's so it's perfect the way it's like okay we're gonna draw them out of the zone defense make them go man to man they're slow we're fast um yeah that was extremely they use their strength against them extremely compelling that's... um but that's the only time where I was like, oh, maybe these guys are small, <laughs> but that's that's because they're next to guys who are oversized, like even who for are basketball humongous. players. Yeah. 
So Arthur's family's going through it financially. So his his mom gets laid off of her job because she's got back pain. His dad is laid off from a couple jobs, and uh, not only are they not able to pay like for school where they are, but they're behind from the year before, and they're they're behind like fifteen hundred dollars. Thirteen hundred, I think. And they give him the boot. They say, see ya, you're going back to public school. And not only that, but we are not going to release your transcripts until you pay us so our it'll money. Be, it'll be like you never even, like you, you don't even get credit what, for yeah. being in school because we won't release your transcripts. Gross. And, that uh, should be illegal. Even his, like the kid went yeah. to school. That should literally yeah. be illegal. Like what, a, you know, whatever. <laughs> like yeah. this is not, we don't need to get into like education policy podcast, but like that should be. Illegal. No, that's no, that, it's it's fucking insane. It's so insane. I mean, it's bad enough that they can't work out scholarships or find funding or, or whatever to actually kick him out. Um, mm-hmm. But Jesus, just to be like, no, we'll withhold your grades and your transcripts. Like, it's a child. Oh God. And then again, at the end, Pingatori is like, "Hey, Arthur, doing great. Yeah, man. we missed you." We're we so missed you. We could we could have used you on the team. Yeah, that that winky <laughs> like oh you we sure could have used you. <laughs> you you, you could have fucking so, had him. If, if, <laughs> if for some reason someone's listening to this and hasn't seen Hoop Dreams, please Google what this coach looks like, this Pignatory guy, because he looks like what you're picturing. He looks like a cartoon <laughs> caricature of a sort of evil '90s basketball coach. Um, like he looks. Like he was cast to play this role <laughs> in a movie as the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. I, so I do want to talk about probably my favorite moment in the movie, which is again a piece of editing. And I messaged you guys this. There was a moment in the movie where there's a cut that's so amazing, it drops my jaw, but at the same time, it's so funny that it makes me cackle, which is when Pingatori gets on the bus for St. Oh. Joe's. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. And um, they're going. They're going to the city. The city tournament, mm-hmm. which both both them and then it's Marshall is uh, Arthur. Yeah, she's team. Yeah, yeah Marshall. The Marshall. The Marshall. The commandos. Commanders. 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 Com- yeah. Commandos. Commandos. Yeah. And it's the St. Um, Joe's. What are they? What are they? I don't know because they didn't play long yeah. enough for me to re- remember. Them. Ooh, sick burn. <laughs> get get him. Get his ass. <laughs> I, I I do feel like we should point out that like. Coach Gene is no longer with us. Rest oh. in peace. Rest, rest in peace, sir. Yeah. Now I feel a little bad. I mean, he probably was old. I don't feel that bad, but. Um, but so uh, Pingatori gets on the bus and he's just like kind of beating the kids down on the bus and the kids are all dead silent. And he's like, you're only going to be thinking about the game every second of this bus ride until we get there. And he sits down and it's all like somber and calm. And then there's just this dramatic cut from like the exact same shot position with almost like everything set up in the right way. Like even the coach is in the same seat on the other team for Marshall and all the kids are just like, yo, they're like playing dice and checkers and stuff. And they're that like throwing paper fun. airplanes at each other. Seems fun. Team yeah. seems Being like, on the Marshall yeah. team. Like that coach seems like a stand up dude. Like, yeah, that coach is awesome. He's yeah, so and that, good. And that coach acknowledges that Arthur would still be at St. Joe's playing for. I looked it up. The Chargers. Chargers. If, is my uh, that's right. Yeah. He said if he if he would have been a better basketball player, they would have found a way to work it out. Right. And it's yeah. true. Yeah. Like, I, there, no. Yeah. yeah it, like he, it's not conspiratorial. Yeah, he, like, they kicked him out over thirteen hundred dollars. But if he'd been better, if he'd been playing better at the time, yeah, they would have they would have looked the other <laughs> way. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not conspiratorial because we have evidence of 
the exact same thing happening to William. Well, guess who, what? They found someone to come in and pay. Like, they, he, he yep. basically, like, it basically is explained that they just called around until they found someone who could pay his tuition. Like, they just called yeah. rich people <laughs> until somebody did it. Like, uh. yep. And yep. people that rich, $1,300 no. is not going to oh, kill yeah. them. Uh, just be like, do you want to put a kid yeah. through four years of high school? Yeah. Even back Pe- people, then. People donate, yeah. like, Fifty thousand dollars to build a to put their name on a plaque in a library yeah. or whatever. Fuck like, that. Yeah. <laughs> like, Espe- and, cool. and especially, I mean, you know, we, I, yeah, you think about something like Friday Night Lights, right? Like where, and it, and it's real life equivalent in Texas, where yeah, I mean, you, it's the same thing there with football, where it's like people mm-hmm. will just pay for everything yep. to just you know because they're so invested you know freaking boosters like they're so invested in this team succeeding because they're alumni or whatever mm-hmm. but yeah they'll just throw thousands of thousands of dollars at children to ugh, it's yeah and system. it's also like if, if if like i don't i don't know of a a current day example but i'm sure that there were people who are like when lebron was 14 and on the cover oh, of sports yeah. illustrated there there were people who wanted his attention then because you know five or ten years from now mm-hmm. you could be like oh yeah i remember lebron and it's like i i knew him back when and he would have dinners at our house and mm-hmm. we still send him christmas cards and shit like that right. like there it's it's sort of like a, a lottery ticket to to being like adjacent to and fame. then maybe yep. someday he'll come to you know your business's grand opening or something you know who knows you, know, you just this is exactly what isaiah thomas did with pingatory yeah mm-hmm where he's coming back and he's like, hey, kids, I love this guy. You guys are going to do great. And he throws him to the wolves. Yeah. Which, um, I, I, I don't even like what to talk about. Picator. Do you know what the other coach's name for Marshall is off the top of your head? I don't. I don't. Just the most perfect diametrically opposed comparison of what Pingatori is. Like, he's understanding. I love there's the part where um, post-basketball tournament, you know, Pingatori is like, these kids are going to have to, like, deal for themselves. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to figure out what life is all about. And the other coach is like, you know, here's my phone number. This is where I'm going to be in school. If you guys ever need help, if you want the help, you find me. I'll be here. You want to come back. Yeah, you know how to get a hold of me. Um, Also, a lot of great yellow sweaters he had. I loved all of his team (laughs) color coaches' outfits where he always had little black and yellow, like like shirts and sweaters and stuff. Seemed to understand they were kids, too. Yeah. Which Pingatori, I don't think, did. Yeah, the, yeah. the only time you ever see him uh, sort of reacting angrily is just the way that, like, a coach does. When, like, they are, they yeah, do seem I to mean, be missing he, easy shots, and he's tearing his metaphorical hair it, out. Just, like... In-game, like, he's a tough coach. Yeah. But, like, when he gets into the locker room, he's like... Even when they lose, it's like, hey! Well, tells them to be proud we of did themselves our best. and what they've yeah. accomplished. And, yeah, no, to- totally, like you said, could not be more the opposite of Pignatory. Yeah. So it's also this year that Arthur's dad leaves the family. So there's some family dynamics that uh, each of the families have that are sort of parallel in a way. So Arthur's um, dad is Bo, who seems to think that he could have been a basketball star. I sure does seem to think that. And he has his own issues which we learn he so he leaves the family around this time he'd been with the mom for uh, like 20 years Mm -hmm. and he's getting into trouble Mm -hmm. um we see like we see him do what looks like a drug deal i don't know if it literally was but he's definitely doing drugs Mm -hmm. even if we didn't literally i would the only reason i 
am not entirely convinced that what we saw was actually a drug deal, not just him talking to people, is that he knows there are yeah, cameras I was gonna say, there. He's, he's, yeah, uh, he's a troubled guy, but he knows there's a camera crew watching, so... Yeah, yeah. It it made so that made me the editing too to be like, look at this shady yeah, behavior. Yeah. yeah. Um. And then, sort of parallel to his uh, stuff, William has his father, who's like pretty absent. Um, he sees him every now and then, it seems like, but very sporadically, and they have like a like a collegial relationship like i guess when they see yeah. each other but there it certainly doesn't feel like a, a father and right. son relationship. there's no real connection there yeah and he has an older brother named curtis who like Bo ag curtis seems to think that he also could have been a, a basketball star yeah they, they like, say he was like a multi-sport or like he says he was like a multi-sport mm-hmm. athlete star theoretically yeah apparently he was they say he was like a good uh, junior college player, but he like didn't get along with the coach very well. Yeah, you wonder what like to what extent that is true. Yeah, like of how good was he good or was he not doing well, and that's why he didn't get along with the coach. Who, yeah, I've I've known I have a a like a friend of a friend a, a friend of mine. Her godson was a uh, and a basketball player at Division One school, and ended up getting out of that program and and transferring somewhere else with the reasoning being like could you know couldn't get along with the coach the coach wasn't playing me because he doesn't like me and it's like "Eh, he also wasn't playing you because you know you maybe weren't at the same level as the other well i guess for a lot of the coach didn't like you because you weren't as good yeah and and for a lot of these guys like i don't know about in curtis's case but like you see it all the time with things you might have been the best player at your high school and you played every minute of every game and then you go to a team where every guy was the best guy on his high school mm-hmm. and that understandably would be such a tough you know adjustment to make yeah it seemed like i mean arthur's thing was that he was really good playing in his like grammar school what league it, or whatever yeah yeah and like they i think they're recruited from just like playing in the neighborhood yeah. But if they're an hour and a half away from St. Joe's, that's a pretty big radius right. of people that they're, they're pulling the, from. The like, best kid a, in every neighborhood, yeah. Yeah, so. But yeah, Curtis, uh, it's hard to tell if he's telling tales or, or what his actual deal was. Yeah, yeah, I was always a little bit resent. Like, I feel like you only really see him criticizing William when he's playing or yeah. criticizing the coach at other times. You never see him, like, being that supportive. Right, because at least mm, Arthur's, yeah. like, you know, Arthur's dad definitely has the like i'm living vicariously through my son because i had great yeah. dreams but there was a couple times that it sounded tough yeah but oh def- it would be miserable but he does at mm-hmm. least seem to be super like admiring and complimentary of mm-hmm. what arthur is achieving um even if he's sort of approaching it from not the most maybe, generous yeah, angle yeah and then we also meet arthur's mom named sheila the, the hero of this movie Yes. The protagonist of this film. (laughs) Yeah, Sheila's incredible. And and I mean, William's mom too, like, she's she's doing everything on her own, but we just don't see her as much for whatever reason. I don't know if either she didn't want to be involved as much with the cameras, or maybe she just didn't have, like, the narrative arc that Sheila has so that she wasn't as interesting. But what we get of Sheila on screen is... uh, 
is pretty incredible. Yeah. And we'll we'll talk about her her trajectory. Her journey. Yeah. Yeah. By the end of the movie, I just I was just so invested in her. I couldn't even believe it. There's mm. the part where she's like dancing with the kids at the graduation yeah. party. It's they it just her and I Arthur kind of, seem to just love each other so much. Like it's mm-hmm, kind of yeah. and like after one of his big wins, and he's just like hugging and holding on to her, and it's just like oh my god, mm-hmm. yeah. I do want to actually just pull up the Ebert quote really quickly. Oh, what he right says here. about her. Every time I see hoop trains, I end up thinking of Arthur's mother Sheila as the film's heroine. During the course of the film, her husband leaves and gets into trouble. She suffers chronic back pain. She loses a job and goes on welfare. Arthur is dropped by St. Joseph's. And then the film's most astonishing revelation really kind of is. We discover she has graduated as a nurse's assistant with top grades in her class. I just fully burst into tears when the woman came in and mm-hmm. was like, you scored an 89 and then she's crying and then I'm crying. And then like, and they've, and again, the really good editing, like they've established, it's like, okay, she's finished this program. If she scores high enough, like this is going to make a big difference for her job prospects mm-hmm. and her financial security. And then it cuts immediately to her getting that good news. And so it just lands like unbelievably. Yeah. And it's also like, they say if she scores high enough. So you're thinking like, well, we've already seen right. the other kids have, Not- have, academic trouble and she didn't just score high enough they say she had the top, top score in the, the class, class. Like, she, in the like, she killed yeah. it yeah she killed and, it and this is all like you said it's an astonishing revelation because this has all been happening in the background while she's just trying to keep her family afloat and keep arthur going mm-hmm. and getting their utilities cut off and going on welfare and like just wild stuff yeah she's she's awesome like just th- reading that passage and hearing it again now mm-hmm. like gives me chills. Yeah. Just thinking about all the all the crap that she had Dude. to deal with and still come out on top. So I assume at the end we'll talk about sort of all the. Did you guys watch the like after the after Hooper's yeah. thing? I, yeah, I yeah. didn't watch it. I've I've read a little bit about I, it. I didn't get to um, it. So I, I'm going to need you to tell me if you have an update on her or not, or if she turned out. I have okay. a, li- a little bit of okay. an update, like nothing too in detail. Okay. Um, I know a little bit more okay. about what happened. Well, to a yeah, other I people. used to say we'll have to get into what happened to some of the other folks, but yeah. So junior year, colleges are starting to come after William, um, like in a good way. They're they're, <laughs> they're recruiting him. They're coming after uh, yes, him. Yes, but <laughs> yeah, they're, it, yeah they're, it does it does feel kind of intense for like the Marquette coach is like, hey, you can sign first right now, but if you wait and like. Someone signs for us, that's, you're gone. That's, like, we don't care. That's exactly how they do it. Like, that's just in every yeah, it's, sport. It's like, okay, we'll make you an offer. Predi- commit. But if, predatory. But if you don't, then we'll go to the next guy. And then once we sign him, you're off. You know, oh, it's awful. It's really lucky that, like, he got a school that did support him. But if, like, if that was, like, say, Georgetown. And Georgetown doesn't have that sort of practice mm-hmm. where they would have offered mm-hmm. him that. And he was like, okay, I got a deal. I got to take it now. Let's go. And then, like. He's on the streets. Yeah, at, le- yeah, at yeah. least with Marquette, like, they did basically offer him the best yeah. opportunity he was ever going to get. He's just not gone. You know, so, but yeah, that's, it's so just, what a position to put these young people into. And I did appreciate the context they provide when they're, when they interview all of the recruiters and everything. I and mean, it, it's incredibly cynical, but at least, you know, they're the ones going like, well, if we don't sign these guys, we lose our jobs. Like, Yep. You know, if mm-hmm. the team doesn't win, if the stadium doesn't sell out and we don't get good enough players, then we're in, on the street. So, yeah, what we're doing, you know, it's a business. And it's it's so cynical because you're like, no, these are children and these are their lives. And the guys are like, well, of course, it's sales. We're employing the techniques that, you know, salesmen do. And they got to meet their numbers and we got to meet ours. And it's like, yeah, but 
human beings. You're not like selling full commodification you're not selling, of human like, labor. Siding for a house or something. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. So William's uh, William has a lot of stuff go on his <laughs> junior year. He's got a He's lot, got a lot of stuff. Going on. So one, he gets hurt. Mm-hmm. He has um, what sounds like a meniscus tear, but not like an ACL tear yeah, or anything. Do, do we need, can we do a medical corner? Do you have any uh, medical insights yeah, about his uh, issues? Yeah, so it's better than a uh, an ACL tear. So they they say that he basically has to take like twelve to mm-hmm. sixteen weeks off because they they do cleared, like a, yeah. what sounds like I'm, I'm not a like a, an orthopedic surgeon, but it sounds like they did like a meniscectomy or something like that, where they're like pulling part of that out. That's that's like the cushion between the two parts of the knee, like the, the femur and the tibia. Ouch. Yeah. So the um, the meniscus you don't want to tear it, but it's better than ACL. Like obviously somebody like uh, Ronald Acuna is. Yeah out for probably a year or more because of, of that. I forgot that uh, happened. That was this year? That was this year, and the Braves have been, uh, oh, they could, like, they're... I'm very nervous. They're looking... We're starting a series. Looking, the Dodgers are starting a series against the Braves. Like They're tomorrow. looking playoff bound, and not having Acuna in their lineup is, um, it's going to be tough, I think, for, for them in the playoffs. I was, well, them playing playoff bound is quite contingent on this team from New York that sucks. Oh, the Mets? <laughs> <laughs> what happened to the Did Mets? Did you see that oh Noah Syndergaard has COVID? <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. I shouldn't laugh when I say that, but like, what the fuck? It's his birthday today, oh, too. Oh, <laughs> posted. He posted on Twitter, uh, this birthday is sick, and then like the rim shot thing, uh, okay. and I was like, I was like, I know exactly what. What that must be? What what news item I did not see yet? Oh, uh, the Mets! Yeah. I will say I was watching um, Braves highlights the other night because they had like a crazy game-ending like outfield catch that uh, uh, ended the game and gave them the win. Um, and the amazing outfield catch was made by Jock Peterson, which is how I remembered that Jock Peterson oh. landed on the Braves. Mm-hmm. I was like, That's I saw him make that catch. I'm like, oh, that guy looks just like jo- oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I forgot that the Cubs' complete sell-off was just so complete that, like, mm-hmm. even someone like Jock Peterson, they just signed. Yeah, they were like, "Man, you can go to." Like, Jesus. Well, I remember well, at, the tra- at the trade deadline, the the Braves picked up um, Jock, and they picked up Eddie Rosario, who's oh, yeah. like pretty bad this year from from Cleveland. And it's like, why are they trading for upgrades? Yeah. Like they're they're not terrible, but they're not in the they're running. They're not going to make a really. run. This is really like maybe one in you know fifty chance that they. Anyways, no, no uh, one. They, they knew something. Well, they knew something. I, I didn't say maybe no one ever lost money betting on the Mets finding a way to fuck things up. It's ultimately <laughs> yeah, what happened. True. They were like, let's just try it. Let's see what happens. I will say, for as bad as the Mets have blown this postseason chance, do you remember when the Chicago Cubs, like two weeks from the playoffs, were at like a ninety-five percent to make the playoffs and went like that, like. Dropped immediately. There's all- I'll never, I'll never. I was going to say, it. I bet it was like the best uh, month. It of is Nick's really life. one of the funniest Fangraphs play playoff odds ever. It's just watching, like the Brewers, like just like kind of coasting along, burp, and then burp, just this. Burp, 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 burp. Yeah. Well, well, I'm sure the 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 Mets is also like. I was on vacation what two weeks ago, mm-hmm. three weeks ago, in the Mets. When I was there, we're still in first yeah. place, and they're like six games under now. Yeah. Quite the even for the Mets, it's been quite the collapse. Yeah. Sorry, baseball tangent. Anyways, uh, so 
what else happened to oh William this this year? So oh. he gets hurt. Yeah. He he has to miss a lot of time. And even when he comes back, like he probably comes back too early, or maybe he reaggravates something. So he ends up having to like see another doctor from like the the Bulls team doctor or something like that. He has uh, the surgery and misses time. When he's missing basketball time for whatever reason, uh, his grades are also starting to drop. His ACT scores are too low, which he needs to get to qualify for an athletic scholarship. And on top of all this, he has a daughter who's very cute. Yeah, very cute. She is adorable. Super cute. She seems like a little chatterbox, yeah. which I think is very funny. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, you know, a kid. So on top of school, basketball, having to commute for 15 hours a week, he also has a child to yeah. take care of. So that's just, that's a lot. And his brother loses his job. So, like, there's just... That- like it's, image of at when we talks to Curtis about losing his job as the security guard, and then he's like, "All I mm-hmm. do is just sit around and stare into the distance." And then like cut to an image of him basically just like sitting on a like a curb or a railing, staring into the distance. I was like, "This is bleak. Like this is so yeah. bleak." This is where I was saying it's like uh, it's n- somehow it's like I said it's not a depressing watch, but like he, it really puts you through the ringer uh, over the course mm-hmm. of the runtime here. For for being three hours though, I like I think from like that scene it goes straight to like, okay they're in the playoffs now. Like let's oh, go. Yeah, no, I mean it. it yeah. I mean because it, right, it's three hours long, but it covers like six years. Like mm-hmm. oh so that, oh I meant to ask at the very beginning, what year does the movie start in? Ninety, right? No, I thought I no, thought because the movie point, came out in ninety four, and I thought it so and it, and they give a update of a couple years into their senior year of college. I think they call them the class of ninety one for high school graduating oh. class because then we see them go off to college for a couple years. So it's got to start in like eighty seven. Like I I didn't realize I the, the opening scenes. I'm like okay, it's nineteen ninety four, and then I'm like doesn't look like 1994 to me and i didn't really do the backwards mm-hmm. math to be like oh we're in the mid 80s maybe that's why jordan didn't hit them at the time then i was gonna say like yeah jordan would have been i say thomas was better anyway <laughs> but it, yeah this would have been pre jordan's mega fame right yeah yeah it doesn't say it in their weirdly page, doesn't but, say but, but there's there's one yeah. reference at the graduation i'm pretty sure where they say class of 91 and i was like Oh, okay. And then plus, like I said, it makes sense because they say that they are in their senior years when the movie comes out of college in, you know, 94. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, yeah. Anyway, sorry. I meant to bring it up at the very beginning. Um, but, yes, no. Now we are in junior year still. Yeah. So Arthur's junior year, he's struggling in school academically. He... Uh, has to do summer school a second time. Yeah. Bo's gone. We learn from his friend Shannon moves in, and we learn that Shannon's had like sort of a similar um, upbringing with uh, regards to having crappy dads. Yeah. Basically, we we learn that Bo used to like beat Sheila. Shannon says that his well, dad used to do the same thing. So basketball is like one of their outs. Uh, so Sheila. I, I am like obsessed with Shannon. Shannon to me, like, for, like it just made a huge impression. Um, mm-hmm. For some reason, his like small, smallish but significant uh, part of the story 
um, because they, you know, they make a reference to, you know, around this time, the AG family continued to grow because his sister has a baby who's now living there. And then Shannon moves in with them, you know, and so you have Sheila who's going through all of this, who's taking on, you know, extended family and neighbor and friends. Um, and does she say she had to get a protective order against Bo? I, I can't. I can't remember. Someone says the phrase protective order at one point, and I, I couldn't quite tell what the context was. Um, uh. But it just seems like, yeah, it just sort of goes back to I don't know how, like, literally I don't know how she's doing this. Um, yeah. But sh- And Shannon is such a good, we've talked about this, I think, before, but, like, to have a character in a doc- or a person in a documentary who can come in and, like, have a very captivating way of talking and telling stories. Like, he just really comes in and the way he starts to... captivating energy. Yeah, he has such a great energy. And, like, I enjoyed the basketball coach being like, yeah, he was on the basketball team, too. But I I, I couldn't have two guys like that. (laughs) Like, sorry. (laughs) Arthur Arthur could stay. Shannon had to go. But Shannon's, like, his biggest fan. He's always dancing in the stands and... That's one of my favorite things. Working is at like, the pizza even hut at together. the final minutes of the movie, you can still see Shannon like just hanging out with the family yeah. and cheering in the stands and stuff. Until things, oh, until well, that. yeah, until he gets he gets busted, busted for, for drug dealing and is not because yeah. he's like in the, yeah. But as soon as like in this time, Shannon's not there. I like held my breath and it wasn't great. But I was like, well, at least he didn't get killed. But yeah, it's, yeah at least he's still. But off. Arthur being like. He thought he could deal drugs and not get caught. I told him he was going to get caught, and he got caught. It's like, yeah, okay. Um, his yeah, little did. arc is just, I, I, I love that. Yeah. So Bo um, comes back later in this year. He, he'd been gone about a year from the family. During that time, he got addicted to crack, went to jail for burglary, mm-hmm. got clean, and is now like getting involved. He's like boarding in seemingly, or like getting more involved in the church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, do we see him in the movie, or, or or am I like conflating the movie and the life after hoop dreams of him like actually talking at church, like about? There's a his, really uh, good part of him singing at church. I yeah. remember that, yeah. and just feeling like, oh my god, he's doing better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he like in in the life after hoop dreams, it it has bits of him like talking at church and you know uh like pre- preaching about yeah i used to be yeah. like a, well, a drug addict and now i'm doing better but it i thought it was in- interesting and notable that at one of the points and it might be I, I lose track of between junior year and senior year with all the recruitment activity what happened yeah. when but there's the one scene when recruiters are coming to arthur's house and it says that sheila asked Bo to be there over arthur's objections like he didn't mm-hmm. really want him to come back he obviously yeah. still understandably resents you know what his father put the family through and Sheila's like no I mean and Sheila maybe correctly was like look this is about your life and your father should be here you know that's their call but I also don't blame Arthur for being like really like do we have to do this does he have to come back like that's a tough spot yeah and we uh we see the three of them go back to St. Joe's to make a plan to pay off the the tuition debt yeah that he has and um i really like that scene between him and like uh Bo and that guy and the like Bo gives him a hug when they leave and i th- like i don't know how much of that is just him being nice or him not understanding how predatory that guy i mean not that guy himself the but system. the system that that guy represents yeah. is yeah and the guy says something like 
we try to help people yeah. here. Yeah. And I I lost I my fucking mind. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, it, it's, 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 I'm kind of with you. It's hard to know how, I mean, yeah, it's hard to know how you'd feel because in some ways it's like they should just be absolutely raging furious mm-hmm. the entire thing. But at the same time, they have to do what they have to do to try to move forward. And so it's like, like what can right, they so do they're going to be great. Yeah, so they're going to yeah. be grateful for working it out in some capacity, even if the fact that they were put in this position is just obscene. Yeah, yeah. They hold their cool a lot they, better than I know. Well, ever would have. You, you, ha- you have to, right? I mean, you think about being in their position and it, yeah, it would but... make things as disgusting as it is. It would make things worse for them if they like flipped out at everybody. So, ugh. yeah, rough. A- everything about the their interactions with St. Joe's and that they would hold a family's mm-hmm. life in their hands over a thousand dollars, which is just a just nothing. It's nothing to that school. They could just write it off like it went missing and it would not make a difference. Uh, it's oh. like a set of Encyclopedia Britannica. Truly. Books. Like Dylan, you were born in the mid nineties. Do you know what that is? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Did you have encyclopedias in your house growing up? No. Uh, we did. We did. We had encyclopedia. We had uh, the blue set, and we had a white set. Yeah, we had the blue I set. I don't remember what. I don't remember what the difference. I remember was. when I was in junior high, and we got an Encarta CD, so that now the oh, encyclopedia yeah. I could just put a disc in, and it was on the computer, and I didn't have to go to the book to do research for my junior high projects. That was that was a big day. I loved that Encarta. I was like, this, this is not surprising. I would just like put it in and read it for fun. There was just so much information. You could just like look at pic, and they had pictures. Ugh. The good old days. <laughs> good stuff. Now you just hit hit random page on the Wikipedia. Right. Now you just like, click. It's, it's too much. It's too much. You know, it, it's when you have a discrete thing where like this is where all the knowledge is. The, in- the internet's too much. Shut it down. Yeah. I'm sick of sure. it. Sure. Um, For- oh, go ahead. No, I was going to change the subject too much. Go <laughs> on. Oh, I was just going to say just for, like for a means of comparison, um, their debt and like how the family is going to have trouble paying it back. Arthur's Pizza Hut job is paying him three thirty five an hour. Yep. Yep. And three hundred and thirty five dollars. And on on the other family side, Curtis, when he's talking about his job and he's like, I can't even get a job that pays seven dollars an hour. Like mm-hmm. cr- yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Bad. Yep. Uh talking about like um I'm gonna do real the podcast for just quick so, but talking about, like, when you you said, like, flipping out on people mm-hmm. uh, makes the situation worse. Um, I wanted to bring up a couple of Steve James Others movies, mm-hmm. um, especially Allen Iverson, No Crossover, the thir- one of the very first oh. 30 for 30s. I didn't realize ever, Steve James about, did that, but that makes sense. Yeah, and it, it it's about, you know, Allen Iverson got racially abused at a bowling alley and fought back, and then the problems that came of that. Um, and then his other probably biggest movie is Life Itself, yeah. the Roger Ebert movie. Yeah. And um, I was just curious if either of you guys had seen one of those movies and how you'd compare it. I saw Life Itself. I think it's really good. I have not seen Life Itself. Um, it seems like I, I, I need to like psych myself up to, to watch it. And I will. Yeah. It, it, like Literally, if not sooner, I, will, I promise I will watch it when we finish this book. Um, but it just, again, seems so sad. Like, I, ugh. It's the same reason. Have you guys been listening to the, the Siskel and Ebert, the podcast? The, the Ringer no. podcast? I, 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 I listened to the first one and then got bombed. I was saving it to binge. Um, but Me I just, too. That's what I'm doing. No, and I think it just wrapped up. Um, but, yeah. like, 
you know how it's going to end, and it's going to end sad. Yeah. Like, I, it's it's tough for me to sit down with this stuff when I'm like, I know how how this is going to play out. That's all. I did see on um, Steve James Letterbox page though he has an actual narrative film um, Prefontaine called Prefontaine yeah. with Jared Leto and Arlie Emery. That is another one of the funniest examples of um, the uh, what you might call it like volcano Dante's Peak effect. There were two Steve Th- was Prefontaine. Was that the Seabiscuit? Yeah, like the Seabiscuit. But there was a, another movie. That came out, I think it was the same year, and one stars Jared Leto, and now I'm gonna have to scroll to look to see who the other one stars. Um, but like I, here we go. Oh, 1997's Prefontaine stars Jared Leto as Prefontaine, and 1998's Without Limits stars Billy Crudup as Prefontaine. So 97 and 98, uh, dual dueling Steve Prefontaine movies. Um, I think. The Steve James one was supposed to be the better of the two, but I did not see them both to compare. Mm. Um, Duda has a, a strong interest in like elite competitive athletes. Yeah. Did did either of you guys see the No Crossover movie? No, I did not. It's really really good. Oh, Steve James made um Abacus, Small Enough to Jail, a uh, 2016 Oscar nominee for best documentary that was really really infuriating um that um was that the 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 financial collapse yeah it's about basically um this tiny family-owned community bank in chinatown which you know was skirting a lot of the regulations like a lot of banks were doing back in that era and it's called small enough to fail because like they of course they small to jail jail, of course they took down a small community-owned bank that catered to a Chinese immigrant population and not mm-hmm. any of the actual big banks that actually contributed to the complete collapse of the uh, American financial system. So that yeah. that movie was well-made and absolutely infuriating. Um, but you have to really want to hear a lot about subprime mortgages, which, you know, <laughs> understandable if you don't. That, that's one that I watched because I watched all of the nominees that year. That one's pretty good. You know, if you want to make it more interesting to hear about some prime mortgages, you can just have Margot Robbie in a bathtub narrate it directly you know? to screen for a couple minutes. Hey, it, it works. The people, they listened. Sign me up. Mm. I, hate, I hate that movie. I know you guys do. Yeah. I think it's okay. Um, it's. Uh, I, I found it like upsetting only in the, again, uh, the fact that all of that stuff happened was a real bummer. Um, yeah, I like it better than you guys. It's not great or anything, but I wasn't mad at it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, back to oh, the podcast. Sorry. Also, Speaking, well, no, I'm curious of, about that. Now I kind of want to check out that Alan Iverson one because like, I unfortunately really only know about Alan Iverson due to sort of all of his reputation for mm-hmm. fighting and stuff. Didn't he also fight with the, that coach? Um, I don't remember that. Um, I thought he got. I thought he had. Maybe it was just this. But yeah, I feel bad are, that. Are I, you talking about? Are you talking about practice? Am He's, I talking about practice? <laughs> Not the game. <laughs> Not the game. That you go out there. You're talking about for. practice. We're talking about practice. Janet, uh, how to react I'm to laughing. No, this. I'm trying to figure out. I guess maybe I'm conflating. He was accused well, the, of they, throwing a chair at somebody. I thought he threw a no. One of maybe I'm thinking of. I don't know. Bobby Knight was also in this movie, ch- which really like threw me for a loop because I really don't like Bobby Knight. I think he throws a chair in the in the 
uh, bowling. That's what I'm saying. Maybe that fight. is what I'm thinking of. I just have heard about. But all this I mean, he hand. does have a lot of blow ups. Like anyway, it was just that's the one that like yeah, it wasn't just like a, a a normal like yelling sort of thing. It's like it got physical and he got charged and could have lost out on college and stuff because this incident. Yeah. Um, Crazy. Sorry. Yes. Back to the yeah. movie. All right. So uh, senior year. Um, Arthur turns 18 and is cut off of public aid, so the amount of money the family is getting is decreased by, like, a third, basically. It's just, every time, it's just, like, it keeps getting, like, it's how are we going to keep going? It's crazy that that happens. When it happens, they right. keep and going. And it's crazy, like, that that happens, you know, he's still a high school student. Like, he's turned 18, but he's, he's still in school. Like, what? I mean... I, what do they want him to do? Apparently, like, drop out, drop out, and get a job. I guess you're screwed. I mean, like if you're born on a weird month where, right. like, you're still 18 and in high school, it's like, well, yeah, too sorry. bad. Yeah. And then William, like, he comes back and he's not playing as well, but he's still being recruited and ends up signing with Marquette, which we've talked about. Mm-hmm. They give him like a pretty, a pretty sweet deal for. Yeah. For uh, basically, hey, you'll get your degree here. You just have to show up, which he he does at some point. Did we skip over? When is the moment where he takes the free throws? I think that's in junior year, right? So yeah, there were there was um, junior year. He blow he basically like blows the final game, and then I think he also does his senior year. Let me scroll down. I don't know if it's as singular, but he has a really bad performance. I think. Yeah, I think it's his um, his junior is the one where he misses both free throws. When if he would have made them both, they would have won. There's like six seconds left. But he he also um, his senior year. So it's kind of funny that like he is the person who everyone thought was going to be like the future NBA star, and he's going to lead the team downstate, which we haven't used that word yet. But downstate is sort of like their. <laughs> they're they're a big tournament and they talk about oh we need to go downstate i can't wait till we go downstate yeah they I start wanna, saying like, downstate more than anything, all the time yeah which is i have no idea what downstate actually means like, i assume it's just like somewhere south that's what I was gonna Illinois I, I is where the, the, the college, final competition the is held at illinois state university right so i'm assuming okay. that like that is probably downstate of chicago yeah we like we yeah. always said like in high school sports you just wanted to go like to state you know, you wanted to make it to state, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, but I, I'd never heard downstate before in that way. Yeah. So St. Joe's has William misses a potential game winner and they take a super early exit. Um, it's the it, they said it's the earliest exit the team's had in six years. William never gets a chance to go downstate, um, you know, in part because his injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, one of the most amazing moments in the movie is during the camp where uh, William is playing and they capture like live on film him hurt the re-hurt the leg again. And it's just, yeah, it's yeah. weird to know that like this isn't like a f- scene where it's like, all right, you're acting, you got to hurt your leg now. It's like, no, this is actually when he hurt there his There were leg. so mm-hmm. many moments like that in the film. And I think this is one of the things it's famous for. And, and I think it's mentioned in the write-up and in other places like you couldn't script this story. Like, there's so many things that happen, and you're so captivated by these narrative twists and turns that, like, it feels like there's plot twists and revelations. And it's like, no, these are just, like, these are just people's lives. And yes, it's edited in a way to sort of evoke that, but you can't 
you can't create the actual trajectory of of what yeah, happened yeah. to these guys. And there's so many moments like that where you always have to remind yourself that this is just their life. Um, and mm-hmm. so much they some of it's luck, some of it's, you know, perception, but man, what they were able to capture is so crazy. Yeah, you know, like, I think it's interesting. And I mean, who knows how college would have gone for him. And I think getting to the NBA is probably a challenge. Yeah. But there are all these facts, I'm being like, get, getting to the, uh, um, like, all, all these problems that, that William has, like, he has to travel, he manages to, to climb the financial hurdle that Ar- Arthur isn't able to, but he's also got the kid, um, like, his dad's not around. His brother's unemployed. He's got the injuries. He's got all this other, yeah. Like Arthur yeah, he's got healthy. the shit. Go- he's, he's got all the systemic shit going on, but also like maybe his biggest hurdle to the NBA is just like he happened to be hurt. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's so many guys it's like that. Sucks. You hear about yeah. all the time. These guys who were the real prodigies and the real skills and they, you know, their body fails them. Yeah. Like no matter how, how much he's able to overcome all this all these other things that are working against him like a lot of it's just luck like he's just kind of unlucky to have gotten hurt Mm -hmm. so one of my favorite um moments from the movie like non-sheila division (laughs) uh is after william gets knocked out it's his last tournament it's his last high school game Mm -hmm. really yeah um he gets he gets knocked out and you know he's he's upset and he's crying and we see Arthur there, yeah. and oh. they like they like meet and hug. And is that the first time we yeah. ever see them on screen together? Or maybe they're on the court together once when they're like before like, school. Yeah, starts? maybe in the opening we might see them together when they're like recruited. on like the same like exactly. Neighborhood court but or it's the first time in the story that we've seen them interact. It and feels it, like De Niro v Pacino meet up at, in the in heat, heat bar where yeah. you're just like, whoa, okay, yeah. And it's not just like, hey man, like sorry you lost your game. Yeah, like losing sucks. They're they're seemingly they like pretty close. close. Like they they hug, and he's like, I love you. The one says, I love yeah. you, boy, and he's like, I love you too, man. It it really makes you wonder. It's like this like little peak. I mean, obviously they must mm-hmm. be aware of each other, and that their two lives are being. And it's like how much like interaction did they have how much do you know were they off camera like were there sort of logistical meetings and things that were happening about the filming where they interacted like it yeah. really makes you wonder because yeah no it does not seem like a hey i remember you from the neighborhood it's it seems right, like a deeper right. connection like they, yeah they clearly have like a, a pretty close friendship and kinship to yeah. to be able to like share that like a moment like that that intimately yeah. um I don't know, like, it, it gave me chills both, like, the first time I saw it and this time. Just, yeah. It's shocking that they are that close when we we never see them together. Yeah. I think that's great filmmaking. It, I love it. It's amazing. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, yeah, that's a great moment. And it's the think, type of thing that would not work in a fiction film. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. It, it is, it's only the truth of it where you... You you can't doubt it. Like this is really happening. That it, it raises all these questions that you just sit with because mm-hmm. you're never you'll never know. Yeah. Um, to skip quite a bit ahead, but um, a similar moment is uh, at the end when they 
are playing to get to the state championship, I think, and it just cuts to William at home watching Arthur on yeah. the TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because all these <laughs> big Janet. I know there. that moment, like, well, and because he's like and kind he, of smiling, like he seems he's like smiling, and he's ha- happy yeah. for Arthur, but then he's like, "It's not me." Right. Like, I can't. I I blew it. Like all this yeah. stuff. I feel and like it's... it would take like. A, the greatest actor in the world to deliver the emotions that it like he's so able nuanced. to do just being himself. You can, you can, yeah, you can read all of that in his face, like you just described, that he's heartbroken to not be there, but he, you can tell he's genuinely happy to be watching Arthur. Mm-hmm. It's, genuinely happy to see Arthur. Yeah, that's quite a moment too. Oh, it's also like I don't know if William was in the same school district. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. But, like if they. Yeah, but I been, wonder if, if they if. If Maybe that they knew been, each other since elementary right, school. Right. If it's like a, what yeah, like, could have would, been, would that have been my team? Right. Right. Yeah. And the flip side of that coin, of course, like this is the moment where we have Gene running into Arthur saying, hey, we could have used you. Yeah. And uh, Gene's got to watch the rest of the playoffs yeah. from the stands, which <laughs> he does. Great, There's a great that shot. That shot of him looking miserable in the stands is so good. Can, can you guys like redo them? <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's a very like. Yeah, just like hand. hand. <laughs> It's just yeah, we're all we're all just sort of <laughs> morosely hand on cheek, like like dead inside, pouty face. I know it does. Yeah. Kind of, so, it does kind of make you think. I'm like, do you have to be there? I'm not sure you have to. Why are you, why are you putting yourself through this? Maybe maybe just the, there was a sh- a shocking amount of reunion people there. Like the 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 old mm. scout is there. Yeah. There's another person there, and I was like, oh, it's them. Yeah, I mean, I guess the tournament's just a big deal. Yeah, uh, it's, it's so it's as late as junior year where they say like Arthur is not really doing that well in basketball. And then this senior year, and especially during the playoffs, he seems to be, like, going on a okay. huge tear. It kind of made me wonder if I missed something. Because sometimes my attention fades in and out, or sometimes I will check Wikipedia to see. And it genuinely made me wonder if I had missed something. Because it was just like, he's underperforming, he's underperforming, so. he's underperforming. And then, boom, now he's basically the star player. Um, and it's like it was like he a... Puts it together. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I, that seems to be just what happened. But it feels mm-hmm. like a switch has flipped. And now... He's just awesome. Yeah, I mean, he takes he takes the martial commandos downstate. That sure does. Yeah. <laughs> there's a really famous shot, which again, this looks like it should be in like I don't know, what's a what's a, like a Hoosiers or um, something. But there, there's the shot of like Arthur like with his hands up and people have him like up mm-hmm. on the, their shoulders and stuff. And it's like it's such a cinematic yeah. looking shot, and it's just like. I, Hey, it's a guy that we've been watching for two hours. I really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like when Sheila at one point is, you know, she's going through all the newspapers um, oh. and like reading and quoting from them, and then she's holding up and she's like, "This is the best picture," and it is an amazing picture of him like going past a defender, um, and like it's so amazing. Like, like I said, it looks like a something filmed for a movie, um, but it's yes. just a newspaper shot of our guy like as the hero on the court and then we get a couple others too where it's like when they're celebrating and it's him and his teammates and yeah all all of a sudden he's the star of a basketball movie (laughs) i love sheila's quote that point where she says like the newspapers like this fantastic player she's like you know we tell him that but like (laughs) to to have it like come from like yeah the validation it's like like it's like it's not the same of course we're gonna try to validate like and we're going to support him, but it's like to get that outside validation is huge. Yeah. Um, I will say one of the other most cinematic moments is like we talked about when like they have the seven foot guy and they like pull him out by having Arthur just like literally stand with the ball. Oh, the part where Arthur goes around and then I love that Arthur doesn't take the shot, but like 
dribble assist to this other guy. He shoots it. Mm-hmm. That, that was the moment I cared about basketball in this movie. <laughs> like that, that was it. <laughs> the switch well, flip for Jenna. Again, like I mentioned up top, it's and it's because of the filmmaking where they they yeah, they exactly. narrate. It looks, here's looks what like needs. To, here's the strategy. Here's what needs to happen, and then they execute it. And like you uh-huh. don't. One of my problems with like why I struggle with sports like basketball and hockey is compared to baseball and football because I like things that happen in distinct increments. I like at-bats. I like individual plays mm-hmm. in football. Basketball and hockey, they're just going back and forth, up and down the hole, and soccer too. Like, it, it's, it's I was a supposed personal, to say, like, you it's about a personal you know, it's not obviously, that's it's a me problem, but I just start to feel like I can't follow what's happening because yeah, yeah. it never stops. And like, that's it's a pro in some situations, but for me, I'm just like I, I can't look at this anymore. Um, so having that moment where they're like, "Here's the play," like, because it's hard for me to follow the strategy. So then they be like, "Here's the play we're going to execute," and then it just happens in this little distinct moment, and it's so effective. Um, yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it, it really sounds like the. Um, you guys remember like the end of Hoosiers where it's like. We're going to run this play, and, like, the one guy is like, I'll take the shot, coach. And, like, it's like, okay, we're, this is how we're going to give you the shot. It's like that, but, like, where Hoosiers is, like, um, you know. I, like, haven't seen, we're I haven't seen Hoosiers, but I, I believe you. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I've seen, like, clips fine. from Hoosiers. It's, you know. I haven't seen it either. <laughs> I haven't seen Hoosiers. <laughs> oh, my God, what am I doing here? I haven't here? seen Blue, Blue Chips. That's the one that Shaq is in, I think. Um, yeah, sure. There's, there's a lot of basketball movies. Um um, but yeah, they, they, it's, it's like their speech of fine at the, the music's rising. And in this one, it's literally the coat. It, it just, it, it's so raw. This movie's so natural and raw yeah. and beautiful. It's and just it's any, great. Anytime a documentary can evoke that cinematic moment, like it's, it's yeah. remarkable. It's a, it's a wild combination of, of luck and technique, uh, to, to be able to pull that off. Mm-hmm. So Arthur um, and the commandos get down to downstate. They don't end up winning the, the state championship, but they have their best finish since 1960. Yeah, they come in third, and they were unranked yeah. going it's into the tournament. Really, Im- <laughs> yeah, it's a Cinderella. It's it's like rocky. Yeah, there's there's you know? one like they don't win. Yeah, there's but. one moment where you see Arthur like on the bench crying like or like has a towel over his face when it sort of becomes clear they're not going to win and someone's like patting him on the back but it's very brief because i sort of was like oh i don't want to watch him be devastated with this remarkable accomplishment but like it's the natural 20 thing. minutes later exactly in the locker room the coach has the atmosphere right. so they're good also, and, and arthur's the, like and smiling the again celebrating and i loved the um the post-game press conference yeah. where arthur's like yeah you know yeah. i could do this without my teammates without my coach he's like just want a yeah, scholarship can you all if you, you guys want to, yeah, he's like, he like leans over into like one of their yeah. programs. Like, like, I want a scholarship. Like, yeah, that was a good moment. Oh, he's, they got two guys that were so charismatic too. They, um, it's not at the finals. I think it's from one of the earlier wins, maybe when they won the city tournament. Um, but speaking of Bo, who's come back at this point and we get a little interview from him where he says that Arthur like hugged him and said, I love you to him and that he couldn't remember the last time that it oh. happened and it's just like yeah i know you're just like oh this family's been through so much and and it kind of goes to show especially because we know how complicated arthur's feelings seem to be about his dad that like he's this, this is like you know it, the whole experience is just bringing him such joy and everything that he can like hug his dad and say i love you um ugh. 
Especially, like, we have this whole time we know, like, how tough, like, it, the dad was to right. live yeah. with. And then mm-hmm. the trouble he got into. And then, like, it, it seems like Arthur and Sheila, like, accept him back into the family. But they're always a little right. wary of what's Which, happening. And, know, like, worrying if it's, be. like, it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's distance. understandable Deserve- to be. That's pretty deserved. Yeah. And so when it, when it comes to this point where, like, the dad has kind of proven himself to be consistent yeah. over a few years. and. He- Arthur's won a championship. He says, I love you. And it's like, oh my and God. It is funny, though, that despite his whole complicated journey he's been on, uh, Bo definitely still thinks that he could have been like the great basketball player. Like, he never <laughs> quite lets go of that. He still kind of is like, no, I could do it. Okay. And the two of them play <laughs> basketball together, and Arthur beats Sally, and, 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 really and all the women in the family are just like, hollering and yeah, <laughs> having a great time on this. I love that. I love that entire sequence. It's so good. Yeah. So Arthur, um, like we said, gets uh, he goes to M- Mineral Area, which is a junior college, and William manages to uh, he has to take the ACT a few times, but manages to get the final ACT score check. he needs to to yeah, get to Marquette. He takes yeah, it like six stage, or seven yeah. times, and the final time he gets high enough that it'll get his round average up. to a yeah. round up to the minimum. Like, that's another thing. Like, you you can't script. Like, you wouldn't believe. This is the most cliched thing to say about a documentary. Like, yeah. you wouldn't believe that if that happened in, an, a, f- in a fiction fic- film. Yeah. And yet, he there he is looking at the piece of paper, and it's happening. Um, yeah. And so, I say we should say about the mineral, mineral area college that uh, he goes to. There are seven black students, and six of them mm-hmm. live together in the six basketball house. Six of them live house. together. Yep. Which I, looks like a looks like I mean it, it's a dinky house in the middle of nowhere because they don't have dorms at the community college. But you go inside and I don't know. It seems like kind of a nice environment of guys just bunking up together kids. for college yeah. kids. Like they got their you do I think you do see a Michael Jordan poster like a Bulls poster yeah. and then yeah it starts to come in at that point. There's yeah. one part where I can't remember what song they're playing, but it's like it's really hitting the '90s music thing, and they're just showing a bunch of people walking around in '90s clothes oh. and '90s hair, and it's like. The time there, there was one point when I was watching this and Matt was just walking through the room and, and tossed off as a sort of sarcastic, gee, what decade is this from? Because <laughs> it was like the most, it was like <laughs> passing through the room. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's incredibly 90s. We are in a 90s time capsule right now. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, the looks, the music, all of it. Yeah, and I think the last uh, like actual footage we get is basically William saying, He's he's in college and he's like, if I didn't oh, this, like, play basketball or if I wasn't able to play basketball, I'd still be I'd still be good. I'd be happy. Like yeah, he used to be obsessed yeah. with it, and now he's sort of like, he's well, and it's contrasted with Arthur, who's like, I think I can still make the NBA. Like you know, yeah. I yeah. It, well, and, and they they like ask Arthur, like, do you think you can avoid? You're you're not going to follow make your dad's mistakes or whatever. And he first of all, he's like, no, I'm not. And then he's like, well, I guess you can't really. Well, you, you never, never you can't really say what's going to yeah. happen. And it's just like. It's a re- it's a really it is an well intense moment, moment. And, but yeah, that part with William, we see him at Marquette, we see him talking to his girlfriend and baby and everything, um, and then yeah, he has that line where he's like, "I'd be okay without it. I, I lived and breathed it, and and now I think I would just be okay if I didn't play." Yeah. The thing, well, well, I, well, the thing is, well, Arthur does still really want to make the NBA. I do think there's this change in Arthur where even he would he's starting to understand that it's unlikely and like he's okay with that even though he still wants to try hard this is having to read a lot into it but i get the sense that go like going to that junior college was just 
the absolute best thing he could have done. Like, cause in every, yes. in every recruiting trip, they're like, we want to win, you know, and we're really glad you're here and you're going to make us win, but that's not our focus. Like we need to make sure you get educated. We need to make sure you're prepared to transfer to a, you know, four-year university. And yeah, they're, they're even like, hey, if you do well, we'll get you to that four-year right. university it's, where you can play high-level exactly. basketball. They're, they're like, but... we want to win, but we're really here to, yeah, to, to prepare you both yeah. in basketball and in academics and life to take that next. And he, where does he end up going? Um, he goes to Arkansas. Arkansas, Arkansas State. Arkansas, but like, I don't know. That sounds like it's probably a pretty decent big school. Yeah. I don't know. That's legit. And um, yeah, I, I, I mean, there's that whole moment where Arthur's keeps kind of trying to blow off going to junior college, yeah. and he's like, "Nah, I'm, I'm waiting." For... But then I, I think the realization at the end where he's like, "Yeah, I still want to make the NBA, but like, I'm gonna take like it's a reasonable road for it." Like, it's I know it's kids nice like when you're 16 or 17 and you know, spending two years, that, that is that is a huge chunk of your life that you've lived so far. So the idea of you're like, I have to sort of like tread what feels like treading water for two years at a junior college like that, yeah. I I get it, but man, like... <laughs> Both of them come to a really mature They place. really do. It's like... And they really are mature people throughout the whole movie yeah. dealing with all yeah. this Yeah, and he, he obviously only ends up there because he wasn't left with other options based on his, his grades and circumstances and everything, but yeah. not to, there are so many guys who would have just blown the whole thing off and just been like well never mind then and like he puts in the work like it's it's really impressive mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and he ends up you know going to a four-year college and getting a degree yeah. william also eventually does he drops out for a little bit after his junior he gets married to Catherine. yeah um and then drops out they end up talking him into coming back and he graduates that's too. what's amazing again about like this whole marquette program like they seem really nice right. there. They could have let him. He he could, he felt overwhelmed. He didn't want to play basketball, so he quit basketball and dropped out of school. And it sounds like the school convinced him to come back and graduate and not play basketball and just get his degree. Really nice to hear. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's what for all the systemic happen. problems we keep watching in right. the the movie. We're like, oh, a, a, a group good. of educators was actually you know motivated to help him and and see him succeed. Just wild. Not educators, but like, um, what would it be like the the, the bureaucratic part of schools? Because right. I'm sure the the teachers, sure, yeah, but we, we but, themselves would want to see it right, succeed. sure. But yeah, normally all we see are yeah, just the number crunchers or what have you. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- there's the other line that William has at the end that I th- I thought you were going to bring up where he's like, "There's all these people telling me like when I get to the NBA, like don't don't you forget about me." And he's like, <sighs> "If I if I." Don't get to the NBA. Please don't forget don't about, forget about me. me. That yeah. that is like also the, the <laughs> that is, is like also the thesis of the movie. On top of what yes. you know, Spike Lee says about you're still humans. Music. Yeah, he's saying that you know, obviously people have a lot invested in me, but don't don't abandon me if, if things don't turn out yeah. like you're hoping they do. Like just imagine that kind of pressure where yeah, you're thinking if I don't make it, then I'm gonna just lose everything. Ugh. <sighs> So the Life After Hoop Dreams, which is on um, Criterion now, gives updates. And this is from, like, I think it's 2004, 2005-ish. Okay. It gives some updates so on their still, lives. So it's, like, 10 like, years afterward, but still quite a long time ago? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so William said he got offers to, like, work for Fox Sports and NBC doing, like, I don't know if sports commentating or what, but he he blew them off. He, he also got offers to like play in Europe, but he thought that 
He says that he thought Hoop Dreams was going to make him rich because apparently they were getting like a ton of attention after this sure. movie. Yeah. Um, none of that really comes to fruition. He does when he's older, like when he's in his late 20s, he starts training again to try to get back into the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like, or not, t- he, not get back into the NBA, to like get on a track to, to get into the NBA. And yeah. he starts training with Michael Jordan. Oof. Yeah. Wow. It says Michael Jordan called him up. Yeah. So they, they're training a lot, and it's he says that he was up to 260 pounds, starts training, and immediately drops down to, like, 190. Yeah. So he he uh, is doing really well, and apparently, like, Jordan was very complimentary of him. And uh, within a week, Curtis's brother gets killed. He gets shot over um, what on Wikipedia says. It was, like, a love triangle-type situation. And apparently, otherwise, like, Curtis... Um, was never involved in like gangs or drugs or anything like that, and it was just it was like a personal sort of, like thing. Yeah, oh. yeah. So he dies, and then William breaks his foot like a week after that. Well, what also happened in that? In week? 9/11, and, yeah, and 9/11 in between, nine eleven happens. happens. Uh, yeah, wild. Um, Hard so, week to I think. Yeah, yeah. That's a rough. That's a rough week. Yeah. So um, he he obviously doesn't make it into the NBA. He loses his job, has trouble finding a new job, has to go on unemployment. Subsequently, subsequent to that, he like, I don't know if it's after that he goes to Moody Bible, Bible College. I think is what Wikipedia mm-hmm. said. They did, they didn't specify it in the in the movie, but um, he ends up becoming like a pastor, and that's and he you know he's got. Um, was did, was he still with his wife and daughter? Did it say? Yeah, nice. yeah. Okay. He he's got a, a couple sons who were. Like all playing in oh like high yeah school. I saw something that made it sound like he has yeah that he he has a a son who went to mm-hmm. went to college to play basketball which is awesome actually some of I think some of the life after hoop dreams must have been later than two thousand four two thousand five but at some point in the documentary it says like some of the footage they got is from two thousand four two thousand five oh, okay. because there 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 is a clip of him talking at like a panel that was like about like a retrospe- retrospective uh, like looking back at Hoop Dreams or whatever and he mentions that he and uh, Catherine were celebrating 20 years of marriage that so is, that must have that's been that's really that is nice. wonderful like that makes me so, yeah, so happy must have been, like, I can't around, believe like, it 2010 or something like that yeah so he, so they're you know it seems like they're doing well that's amazing yeah. um Arthur graduates college he gets drafted by a team called the florida sharks in the united states basketball league uh-huh. which i'm guessing is like the basketball equivalent of indie yeah. ball um it sounds like he's getting these opportunities like i think the uh the um what's the the people who do like the trick the trick games the uh, harlem globetrotters the harlem globetrotters <laughs> yeah apparently <laughs> tried to you know, you know what that apparently, seems like i mean i can see why maybe he wouldn't want to do it but like i don't know mm-hmm. seems like a pretty fun job <laughs> yeah, so apparently they tried to get him to play for them too, and the only basketball team that I know that has a, 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 a theme song. song. They they used to come through. They have a theme song. The Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, I, yeah they they. You didn't know that. Yeah, Google it. You can you can put it in here because I was humming it, but no, that's not that's <laughs> not going to help anybody. Um, they won't recognize <laughs> it if I try to hum it. Um, but no, they used to play. Uh, they would come through Sacramento all the time. So I just remember the TV. I was my parents never took me, but the TV commercials and they're like spinning the ball on their finger and the little music's playing. Yeah, yeah. All right, sorry. So he said no to that though. Did not want to play novelty basketball. He said, yeah, he said no to that, and it sounds like teams would draft him 
not even wanting him to play, but just like have him sit on the yeah. bench and then sign autographs and crap like yeah, that. That's so he, he he mentions a lot that Hoop Dreams was like sort of a blessing Nail and a stone curse. kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. So he does start a uh, clothing line. Um, cool. Like a Hoop Dreams inspired clothing sure. line. He had a cameo and he got game. He has a uh, small part. Yeah, he has a small part in um, Passing Glory, which was a made-for-TV basketball drama starring Andre Brower and Rip Torn. Also Mm -hmm. directed by Steve James? Yeah. And um, then he starts doing, like, motivational speaking later in life. He made a... He didn't direct it, but I don't know if he produced it, a... um, a movie called Hoop Reality, mm-hmm. starring Patrick Beverly, who's a uh, he was on the Clippers last year, yeah. and is now the Timberwolves point. Yeah, and it yeah. looks and he went he went to Marshall, right? Like, oh, I, I didn't I even think that. that's. I mean, I, this is my that, Wikipedia research, the, but I think that's the tie. Is that Patrick Beverly? Let me go back to the Hoop Reality page I was looking at. Um, Patrick Beverly from Chicago's Hardscrabble West Side appears as a struggling potential star. Also at John Marshall Metropolitan High School is mentored by a G oh, right. and then actually makes it to the NBA. So that's kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, like, I think maybe the most notable thing about his life is that Bo is also shot and killed. Um, and that was like, it was either a robbery gone awry because he was like selling stuff out of his car, basically. Yeah. He had like a garage where he would sell stuff and he called somebody up. They were going to meet him and they killed him. So I think online I read that it was a robbery gone awry, but in the documentary, they uh, like the filmmakers say that they, I don't know what they know that, that we don't perhaps, but they think that it was maybe like an old score being settled. Like mm. the person, it, it wasn't just a robbery. It was like a trap. Um, so he, he gets killed. Um, and then they say that after that, Arthur, like, kind of goes off the deep mm-hmm. end. They don't specify how, really, but they do say that Sheila needs to... She ends up... Um, the, the or I, wrote, I wrote down verbatim. They say he took a huge tailspin, and subsequent to that, Sheila had to move back to Alabama, which is where she was from originally. Oh. Um, so I don't know exactly what happened there, That's but then they show... Tough. Yeah, they show him afterwards doing, like, motivational speaking, and it seems whatever it was that he... he got through it i guess um but yeah not the some some tough stuff uh still happened subsequent to, to yeah the, the most recent bad. thing i could find is there's a cnn article from last year um that you know or from ni- 2019 i guess um it says hoop dreams at 25 you know and there's there's some interviews with both of them talking about you know what basically everything you just summarized but saying that like yeah they have a complicated relationship (laughs) with the experience and it is interesting you know there's a quote in this article describing it uh, or william describes it as i i call it the first reality show i think it was groundbreaking and we can get into like you know an american family and stuff but but it was i mean you know compared to where we are now there's eight million shows that follow around like aspiring people so um what a what a strange yeah. thing to have been through. Yeah, yeah. Good yeah. movie. Yeah, good. <sighs> one of those movies, you know. Great. One of those movies. Great. That um, you could even call it great. Um, 
that you know it could not have been more hyped right like it's weird sitting down to watch it in in 2021 um and it it is that good turns out i mean most of these movies are not always but um it, it is that good yeah um ebert quotes i've got i've got one pulled up he says no screenwriter would dare write the story. It is drama and melodrama packaged with outrage and moments that make you want to cry. Hoop Dreams has the form of a sports documentary, but along the way it becomes a revealing and heartbreaking story about life in America. That's, that, that's the, that's the quote. Well, um, I mean, that, that's basically the quote. Because I will say this essay largely sort of summarizes what happens in the movie. It's more one of those. Um, it's movie focus. Right, but it's... Which is good, because this is sort of a sprawling story. Um, I did think it was interesting uh, where he says that Coach P- Coach Pingatori and the school were parties to his suit to prevent the film from being released theatrically. Um, and then he mm. notes the school comes off looking pragmatic and cold, but then Hoop Dreams reflects a reality that is true all over America and not such as J- St. Joseph's. And then Ebert says, as for Pingatori, he comes off pretty well. Well, Roger, I think we'll agree to disagree on that one. Yeah. But his his point being that, like, he kind of is like, I don't really see why they objected to the movie. This is just reality, you know, which is true. Oh, according to the CNN article, uh, William is now an a- AAU coach in Texas. Um, oh. And two, and oh, yeah, two of his sons to, played uh, together at Houston Baptist University. So. Yeah, they moved I, out of Chicago. I am so happy. Like. I am so happy for him. He has this whole family, and he seems to have a pretty healthy relationship with basketball, and it's amazing. On the other side, the most recent thing I know about Arthur is he was charged with assault for punching <laughs> someone. Punch a lady, yeah. I think it was. Um, yeah. oh, for years, Gates would not allow his sons to watch all of Hoop Dreams. He was worried the scenes of his injuries would spook them. Um, his son Will Junior. His son Will Junior had four knee procedures in college, so. Oh. <laughs> understandably might have been spooked what a movie yeah great movie uh thumbs up or thumbs down Shanna oh thumbs up Dylan thumbs up thumbs up for me number of stars Jenna. it's four stars four Dylan? four for me hey. too oh we got it all four, four. four let's go good movie all right now I'm just like looking at this CNN article. It does say that uh, Arthur bought his mother a house. Oh, there's a nice picture of, of Sheila as an older lady now. Good for her. And, Good for Sheila. And he, you know, seems to be doing well with his motivational speaking. Yeah. I was just, I, it's so funny because I think you guys had asked me, I can't remember if it was on or off mic, like what I knew about this movie and if I knew what happened to them. And I, all, I knew they didn't make it to the NBA and I sort yeah. of knew, I thought I knew that like they had tragic endings and like tragic things happen in their lives obviously with their brother and and father and everything being shot and killed um but I I think I was prepared for like them dying tragically so now I'm just like oh this is nice they seem to have have made it through with pretty decent lives I was uh I was so worried yeah yeah I mean it's it's not it's sad but it's not like but it's not like yeah, you know, they've, they've, they've made it to the other side. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, Dylan, what have you been watching since, a, uh, since we last recorded? I had a pretty good week. Um, 
started literal film school, which was fun. And um, first movie we watched in film school was Singing in the Rain. Masterpiece. Good movie. Yep. Good movie. Um, I can't wait till we review that one. It's going to be so good. What did you say about Singing in the Rain? It was really cool when this happened. Yep, it's going to be the Chris Farley exactly. show. Remember, remember yeah. when you you did that dance sequence? That that was that, that was, was awesome. awesome. Yeah. Donald O'Connor, um, funny yeah. guy, funny. Uh, Debbie Reynolds, a Talented. good actress. Talented. Yes. Um, yeah, that's kind of going to be the scene in the raid podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I also watched The Fog, Ooh. which didn't you did you watch that last week? Jared, I had or did you already watch it watched week? it. As of last week, episode, okay. yeah. Um, and you liked it, right? I liked it quite a bit. Great movie. So good. Yeah. Really one of Carpenter's best, and everything he makes is amazing. So, you know, um, real good. And then yesterday I did a double feature with Kasia. We did Harakiri. Cause mm, gotta do it. A good movie. And Nick now I can share that with Nick. Good movie. Um, Jana, watch Harakiri. I have so many bad movies to watch between now and Harakiri, but I'll get there. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll get to my rundown of what I've been doing with my free time. (laughs) And we watched, uh, have either of you guys seen the uh, William Wyler movie, The Heiress, with Olivia de Havilland? No. No, I I almost watched that uh, the same week we watched uh, Gone with the Wind, just because I... Wanted to see more Olivia. Yeah. To have it cycles through Criterion Channel a lot, and so I always like almost click on it's it. It's not yeah, now. I didn't think so. But. I have it sitting in my basement. I bought it during the last. Nice. Same. Same. I, actually, Kasi gave it to me as a birthday present. I didn't nice. buy it, but recent recent pickup and uh, fan fucking tastic. Awesome. I believe it's on the Vulture movie ending, and and I think um, so. it's very very uh, deserving to be there. Nice. So yeah. Good list. Um, yeah. What did you watch, Gina? Oh, me? Um, whole bunch of nonsense. How many Halloween movies did you watch? I watched just two more. Um, I watched Halloween 6, Curse of Michael Myers, and Halloween H2O, 20 years later. Curse of Michael Myers is so bad. Um, holy smokes, is that a bad movie? Um, Paul Rudd is in it. Uh, it's the same year he made Clueless, um, playing like a PTSD Tommy from... Halloween one it's just it this is the one where they really lean all in on like Michael Myers origin is it's all a plot of an evil cult um weird weird stuff just uh on the old uh in Myers we trust the previous iteration of the Gorley and Russ podcast they talk about how strange it would be if somebody watched Halloween and then went straight to Curse of Michael Myers (laughs) they would be (laughs) so confused um I was confused having watched all of them in between um, and then I Halloween H2O, which was a rewatch because I actually saw that when it came out. Um, fun movie. Fun 90s uh, horror movie. <laughs> it's like 79 minutes long. Um, it's, it's very, you know, it's, it's very Scream. Like, it's, it's more of a Scream knockoff than a Halloween sequel, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so on to Halloween Resurrection, which I will probably watch after this. Um, and then I'll have to wait, and then I'm going to make Matt watch... Halloween 2018 with me because I'm going to make him go to see Halloween Kills when that comes out. So, but they're they're reverting all the way back. It's, 
Halloween 2018, I guess it's a direct sequel to Halloween 1, and so none of the rest of this matters. I guess I didn't have to yeah. do any of this mm-hmm. at all, but here we are. Um, so that'll be the next step. I also watched Sleepaway Camp for the first time because it's on Shudder. Um, yeah. And there was a Girlie and Russ commentary for that that I wanted to listen to. Um, I had a freaking great time watching Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> like, it was, it, was, uh, it was real fun. Um, and then the other two new movies I watched this week, um, I went to the theater on Friday night and saw The Night House, um, the new Rebecca mm-hmm. Hall sort of grief horror movie um, directed by, I want to get this guy's name because I thought he did a really fantastic job. Um, da, da, da. Director's name, come on, letterboxed, David Bruckner. Um, and it was written by these two guys, Luke Petrowski and Ben Collins, who I also listened to a podcast interview with them. Um, really spooky. Um, I think Rebecca Hall's great. Um, she gives like a mm-hmm. really good sort of, I don't want to say over the top because that, that sounds like it's a criticism, but like a heightened performance in a way that I found very compelling. And it was scary. <laughs> like the whole thing. <laughs> like moments when it's like broad daylight and she's having conversations with her friends, you are on the edge of your seat because her por- performance is just so ratcheted up. Um, it is creepy, creepy, creepy from minute one till the very end. And I really enjoyed it. Um, and then last night I watched Escape from New York as part of the John Carpenter watch along. Yeah. So it was good. I will say that one might have been a little overhyped for me. Like I was just like, okay, fun action movie. Um, very but good. it's yeah, it's it's very well made. Um, has a lot of fun bits. Ernest Borgnine <laughs> is uh, real good <laughs> in it. Um, so is Harry Dean. So Stanton. is Harry Dean Stanton. So is, so is Love everybody him in that movie. Um, it really is. I like. I, Lee Van Cleef? Like, come yeah. on. Lee Van fucking no, Cleef. The cast is wild. The plot is bananas. Um, I had a really good time. But frankly, the best news about having watched Escape from New York um, means that next up on the John Carpenter watch list is, is The Thing, uh, which I've never oh, seen oh. and will be watching sometime in the next week or two. So that's that's the real excitement there. And that w- Nick, Nick, how do you feel about The Thing? Oh, I love it. I think it's his best movie. Of the ones I've seen, anyway. Fuck yeah. I'm I'm excited to see since I'm such a Halloween super fan. Um, if the thing can top it, we'll find out. I'm excited. Mm. Yeah. We'll see. I love the thing. Yeah. Um, I do want to quickly ask Janice. So I was thinking about doing somewhat of a Halloween mm-hmm. marathon. I'm thinking one, two, and then the two Gordon Greens. Yeah. Does, is there? Oh, one, two, and then three. Three's fun. Yeah, three. The three, three is a matter. standalone film, but it's fun. Yeah. You don't need to watch four, five, and six, the Thorn trilogy. Um, you know, I'm I had a fun time doing it. I think five was actually maybe my favorite of the three, but like it's not really. Okay. If you got time to kill, go ahead. Like I I have been watching these movies like over the course of like my lunch hours during work from home. Like this is just something <laughs> I've been doing, or like a- after I finish work and before Matt comes home. So I've just sort of been turning to them when I have a spare moment. And so in that case, it's, it's been really fun. But I think one sure. and two, and then presumably, and then three, just because it's a fun, ha- like, it's a fun Halloween movie in that it's a fun movie about the holiday of Halloween. It has nothing to do with the other movies whatsoever. Gotcha. Um, and then you could go to the David Gordon Green, I, I assume, straight from and then, and then you're not doing the Rob Zombie. <sighs> right? I mean, if I get real bored, um, maybe. But, you know, 
I had mostly heard nothing but terrible things. There's some defenders of his Halloween 2. Yeah. There's there's not really any defenders I've encountered necessarily of his Halloween remake, but it's Halloween 2, which I guess tells basically an entire new story some people stick up for. Um, I think it's just like, if you like Rogue Zombie, it's for you. I haven't seen any of his movies. They seem real aggro. Um yeah, it seems like not. Yeah. Right. What I like about these movies, what I like about what I've had fun doing with the Halloween movies is like the campiness, the goofiness, like with mm. some of the yeah. scares, but like a lot of like a lot of what turned me off of course. So I loved I didn't like scary movies when I was little, and then in like the late 90s, junior high, high school, I loved scary movies again because they were all like scream and i know what you did last summer and sort of the like jokey 90s stuff and then i feel like the rob zombie era is what turned me back off because i'm like this is not fun like it's not fun um and and you can be fun or you could be something like the night house which is like a a serious exploration of grief and horror but i don't think i'm here for what rob zombie is doing (laughs) So I have I have excused myself um, from his films as my as part of my self assigned project here. So mm-hmm. prob- probably not going to happen. Sorry, Rob Zombie. What about you, Nick? You've probably been Nick's so, been watching like classy foreign films, and I'm sitting here watching The Curse of Michael Myers. Well, <laughs> not not a classy foreign film uh, to start anyway. So um, friend of the show, I think we can call him friend of the show. He was at least a, a guest on the show before. Justin DeClue okay. um, runs. Yeah runs a uh he has a blu-ray label called gold gold yeah. ninja video mm-hmm. and they are described as the criterion of public domain bargain bins. amazing so i watched my first gold ninja video movie called blood of the dragon which is like a uh a sword play martial arts movie um that stars the two leads from one-armed swordsman uh and it is directed by cow pow shu which is uh I don't know of many women martial arts directors. She's uh, the first, and I believe only one cool. that I'm familiar with. Um, so it's pretty cool. It's a it's a fun release. Like it's it hasn't been remastered like intentionally. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's there's even like a, a bonus footage of of Justin talking about this director in her career. So it's pretty cool. Like it's uh, not the type of thing that i'm usually getting into with like you know the the fancy foreign movies and all that kind of crap <laughs> um it was still like real uh like kind of grainy and gnarly looking there's one moment when the sound just cuts out entirely and i rewound to make sure that my tv wasn't fucking up and it was just like the sound disappears um but yeah it's uh i forget the actor's name but he kills a whole lot of people and it's pretty cool nice <laughs> Then I watched Shadows of Forgotten Ancestors, which f- fits um, squarely into that uh, yeah. uh, category of uh, serious art house foreign movies. Um, it was it was really cool. Uh, it's about I don't know, like this. What it's about is really not that important. It's a guy and this woman they fall in love, and then uh, she dies, and then he has like spells put on him by his new wife. But uh, it looks just absolutely incredible. Um, I've only seen one other Parajanov movie. He's he did um, the Color of Pomegranates, oh. which is mm-hmm. a really great looking movie. That I think it was sometime last year. Lady Gaga had a music video out that was like visually inspired by it. So a bunch of people watched it and 
they're we're, like nor- normie, normies on Letterboxd who reviewed like, it and they're the? like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on in this movie? Um, but then if you look at all the non-normie reviews, they're also like, what the fuck is going on with this movie? Because it's just like completely incomprehensible. This one's like only slightly less incomprehensible. Um, the disc that I watched it on had a, uh, speaking of D-Day remembered having like almost no logs, there's a like a 40-minute doc on the disc called Andrei Tarkovsky and Sergei Perezhanov Islands. And um, it's just about like the two of them and their friendship and like filmmaking style. And it, it'll do like a lot of footage, like sort of like YouTube video essay style of like, it'll show clips from a Perezhanov and then a clip from a Tarkovsky and how they're like using similar elements or mm-hmm. like visual techniques. Um, there are four reviews of that on, on Letterboxd. Wow. But I thought it was pretty cool. Um, it was one of the more interesting, I think, video uh, essays from these, uh, like the, the boutique label DVDs. Um, Hong Kong right now, or, or last week, announced that they're going to start not just uh, censoring movies more, but they will be retroactively censoring movies, yeah. which uh, sucks. So I bought a bunch of Johnny Toe movies. Um, the first one I bought came in the mail, which is called Exiled, even though that is on iTunes. I'm still like, I'm, I'm leery of digital. buying things digitally yeah. if, if they're going to be a retro. Like I have a couple of his movies that I've seen already that I've purchased digitally that I'm like, should I buy the discs for those too? Like, am I never going to be able to see Drug War again if Hong Kong... Right, because you're, you're, even your digital, you're like tapping into licensed content and one day you could hit play yeah, on it and it could be different than it was the day before. Yeah, like I don't actually... Like if you own stuff digitally, you don't nope, really own you it. do not. So I watched Exiled, which is uh, a very cool um, movie with some great like gunfighting scenes, and um, it felt it felt of a piece with uh, Throwdown, which I watched earlier in the year and was one of my favorite movies of the year. And that's that's coming out to Criterion oh, soon. Nice. Uh, I, if uh, you have the means, I would recommend picking that up before Hong Kong decides. Hey, we're gonna not let that be a thing mm-hmm. yep um this friday i had a few friends over including friend of the show scott brady Ooh, hi scott hey and we watched a movie called lake mungo which is a <laughs> horror movie it's like a mockumentary style australian horror movie from 2008 and it is about a family and um the daughter drowns She's like a mm-hmm. teenager. The daughter drowns, and then spooky stuff starts happening around the house. And then they do a little investigating, and it's sort of twin peaksy, where the more you learn about her past, more questions are asked. It's twin peaksy enough that the family in the movie is the named Palmers. the Palmers. That Ooh. that would actually make a, a good double feature with the night house, which is just a woman's husband yeah. dies on a lake, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden she starts discovering creepy things that were going on yep. that she didn't know about and you know cre- creepiness ensues yeah. so yeah this when when you were talking about that this is also a uh, uh an exploration mm-hmm. of grief as much as it is a horror yeah. movie the one thing i liked about it actually is that for a horror movie there's not like a single jump scare yeah. everything that's scary is like video footage that they replay and then that's, they just zoom in gradually on stuff. That's so, so totally what like, the night house is like too, yeah. where it's like, I mean, sometimes, you know, she's alone in a house and something will like, you know, she'll get scared, but it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. more just what it's vibes, man. Yeah. It's, it's this, true vibes. this is much more like dread. Nothing ever like 
jumps jumps out from behind the corner or grabs you or anything. The, the, the times that there would be things like that, it's just people telling you about mm. things that would have been jump scares in a more conventional Where movie. did you track this down? Where is it? Did you buy the disc? So it's on... Yeah, it's on Prime oh. now. I bought the disc from Second cool. Sight. Cool, okay. Um, which I only have a few of theirs... Um, I think I have three, and I've watched this in their Walkabout release. And they're great releases. They're I love Walkabout. Oh. Good movie. Yeah, they're beautiful. Uh, they're beautiful looking. Is that sets. A, is it an Australian company? Second Sight. Uh, I think it's a no. It's a you UK just buy company. Australian but movies the, from them. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess that's. Uh, I, I didn't even make that connection. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe it's a boutique Australian. Um, but no, that sounds great. Yeah, really cool movie. Um, and then the last thing I watched, other than apparently I watched D-Day Remember, <laughs> uh, is um, I watched Annette, the new Laos Cracks movie last night. Sure did. Which, baby uh, Annette. Baby Annette's pretty cool. She is um, a baby after all. She's a baby. <laughs> I, uh, I haven't listened to your guys' episode yet just because I still want to watch. I'm not going to bother with Suicide Squad or if I do eventually watch Life's Suicide Squad. Life's too short. It's fine. I, I, I don't mind it being spoiled, but I do want to see old before see uh, I listen to that episode. You got to see old. Mm-hmm. So so I've still put off listening to that, so I don't know your guys' um, yeah, you know, the, the, the details of your mm-hmm. thoughts, but I know, Jana, you liked it four stars worth, and Dylan, you liked it five stars worth. I think Whoa. I'm prob- probably closer to you, mm-hmm. Jana. Um, or no, I am close. I, uh, like, I'm pretty confidently closer to you in terms of I, – I think um, – I've seen a, a couple other Crocs movies. He's definitely a blind spot that I need to mm-hmm. see more of his stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I really love Holy Motors. Um, but yeah, it was it was good. Um, the second half is definitely uh, stronger than the first half. I think once uh, once you see what's his name Sim- the Simon, Simon guy from uh, he- Helberg from he uh, really the Big Bang Theory. Once you get the the wonder of him conducting with a camera, just like whipping around him 360. Um, scene the scene of the a, year, a honestly. I, I, <laughs> really, I'm, I'm obsessed. I've really watched, I have watched the opening scene and that scene um, the opening a scene bunch of times. And the rest mm-hmm. of the movie, I kind of just like, no, 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 no. But those, those scenes are, are really remarkable. Yeah. I do quickly want to say, um, so... I was supposed to tell you my Annette story, Jana, oh, yes. on our Annette this episode, is, but we but didn't. This do involves that. spoilers, though. Isn't that why you had to save it? Uh, yeah. Uh, so I guess quick spoiler net warning. Um, it's been out for a couple weeks. I'm not super worried. It doesn't spoil that much. It just spoils that uh, baby Annette is a. Puppet. Which is in the trailers, so I did not think of that as a Wait, as is it in the trailers? As you can tell from the trailer. Oh, I've only I, seen I, the trailer where they don't even talk there, about there's it. A, there's one I'm, trailer, it might have been the final trailer, where like they hold up the baby and you're like, that's a puppet. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, anyway, uh, so Kasi was in the bathroom and um, she was like washing her hands or something. Two of the people that were in the theater with us were talking, they were like, well, you know, it makes sense that he would use a puppet because it's so much easier to control than an actual baby. So therefore, the filming would be easier. And that must have been why they used the puppet. And Kasi was just sitting there like, I mean, no. I, I do think that it would have been much worse if they'd tried to corral an actual baby um, into those oh, things. Oh, sure. There is, a, there is a functional reason. But no, obviously, there's a thematic uh, 
<laughs> reasoning behind it being a puppet. Although I wouldn't mind, it, you know, I, I hate to think about children being exploited in the name of filmmaking. Maybe all babies in movies should be puppets. I mean, this movie's all about the anti-exploitation right? of children exactly. in media and arts. Exactly. And in just general parentage. Yeah. You know, people made fun of Clint when he did it. <laughs> That's true. Maybe Clint Eastwood was right all along. Uh, and and the Clint Eastwood suddenly has great the, the Ameri- Wait, when he oh, did what? American Sniper. When he, for American there's Sniper. There's a scene. Oh yeah, where yeah, the baby yeah, is yeah, Obviously, no. a doll, except for it's not supposed to be. <laughs> it's supposed yeah, to be a baby, yeah, yeah. but it's a doll. Yeah. No. Yeah. <gasps> I thought you meant like in real life, like um, like with the with like the chair thing with Joe Biden or something like that. Like he in did some weird. Clint Eastwood carried around a puppet baby. <laughs> I would like him more if that were true. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we'll, maybe we'll get set photos of Cry Macho and see what happens. Oh God. Cry Macho, here we come. We're just a couple. We're like. I know like it's next coming up week. soon. Is it next I think it's week? September 3rd, I think. Oh, On my man, calendar. Can't wait. Yeah. Maybe it's not that soon. It's close though. I'm prepared to cry Macho. As you should be. Sorry, fact checking myself in real time. It's the, I, I'm so sorry if I got anyone's hopes up. It's in three weeks. It's September 17th. Oh. Sorry. Sorry. Oh I'm sorry. You just have yeah. to, yeah. Nick's really looking forward to, to that tight. one. I will see if say, I can, uh, we weren't going to see uh, Shang-Chi in the theaters, and we still might not. Um, but the, they played a trailer for it before the Night House. Um, and this trailer was just all Tony Lung. Like, this, this, this Shang-Chi trailer yeah. that they played, this most recent one they released, just makes it seem like it's a Tony Lung movie. And literally, we're like, maybe we should go see it. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I was like, this is the most convinced we've ever been that maybe, like, we're we're out of town for half of next week, and maybe we'll come back and go straight to the theater and see this, because uh, that looks good based on that trailer. That's how you get people in yeah, seats. Yeah, well, it's, how you, it's what's going to get us there, so. Yeah. All right, so that was our episode on Hoop Dreams. You can find us oh actually before we go can we just say r.i.p ed oh, aster yeah. who died oh, just a couple yeah. hours ago can you imagine if we had jfk today oh yeah he's in that huh yeah he has he has a small yeah. role but yeah he's in it it'd been very weird if we had yeah. which, he, he was he was 91 he had a he had a good life he oh yeah life. like very definitely like yeah. he didn't like get shockingly yeah. die young or anything but sad to hear good actor jfk's coming up soon yeah it's in like three yeah, weeks like, speaking of yeah. Um, okay. Wait. So that's the last film of this season, or the first film of next first, season? First, first of next season. We're we're ending with uh, Christmas in September with It's a Wonderful Life. In two that's weeks. right. Okay. So Akiru and It's a Wonderful Life. I cannot wait for the season finale. Let's go. Yeah. We'll have to talk offline about what movie we're going to watch for that. I don't think we've picked anything yet. Oh yeah. The Devils. I was going to say, I, let's pick something scary. It'll be our it'll be our um, finale closest to Halloween. So we should. Probably. The Devils isn't scary, but... Eh, not not scary. Did, There's some gross shit in that. He he did hate it. Um, so, where can you follow us? Uh, Letterboxd and Twitter at Great Movies Pod. Mm-hmm. And you can always follow Scott Brady, who did our album artwork and watched Lake, Mo- Lake Mungo with me. <laughs> what he's most famous for, having watched <laughs> Lake Mungo with me. Uh, at Miss Brady Artist. Are you guys still going to watch 310 to Yuma? Sorry, I'm derailing things. At some point, okay. yeah. At some point, I want Same to. Posted. Good yeah. movie. Yeah, nice. Um, we we didn't because the original plan was going to be Lake Mungo, and then my cousin was going to be in town, and he's uh, 
unable to watch horror Scary movies because he's a wuss. Fair yeah, enough. yeah. He used to say he's not scared of anything, and then we watched the orphanage with him, and we watched Wreck with him, and both times he would like hide behind pillows, and we're like, "You're an adult. Uh. What are you doing?" So we switched to three ten to Yuma, and then he couldn't make it, so we switched back to like Mungo. Anyways, next up we are watching Akira Kurosawa's Ikiru, which is available on HBO Max, and you can rent it on iTunes, and it's available on Criterion and Canopy. It's pretty much everywhere, it looks like. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, widely available. Nice. So, all right, I'm looking forward to that. Good deal. Roger out. Oh, Roger out. <laughs> Roger out. Sorry, bye. <laughs> da, 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 da. And when I go to the movies, I am that person on the screen. I am having vicariously an experience that happened to someone else. And that makes me a better person. That to see good films and to see important films is one of the most profoundly civilized experiences that we can have as people.